anyway, Badass Records, episode seven, I think this is. And uh, Britt Whitehead. I had, uh, I, I don't, for however, I mean, at least 10 years, 12 years maybe. Um, we went out to, for late night beers at Tanner's years ago, like 07, 08, 09, somewhere in there. I feel like something had just happened. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But we were, commu- anyway, um, and I, but I, back then I don't, know if you were texting actually like as little as possible well or yeah anyway uh at some point i put you in my phone and your name in my phone is whitey um which (laughs) (laughs) makes me immediately go to don't call me whitey what is that you don't know that song no what is it well i can't sing the rest of it okay um because well it's so uh it's like uh don't call me Whitey uh, N-bomb, uh-huh. only with the A. And then the next mm-hmm. verse is don't call me N-bomb, Whitey. And it's kind Who of, is this? It's, I wanna, it's not Gil Scott Heron, uh, but that's where my mind goes. But it's, you know, uh, like a yeah. serious 70s, uh, you know, a good chunk after civil rights stuff and like tensions were high and like, you know, I, I'll have to send it to you. I wonder if they played that one on the radio. And maybe uh, an edited version. Maybe after midnight. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But um, it's uh, it's all, always it's always been a, a quasi envious last name. Yeah. Um, I know it just it's got like that. Uh, uh, kind of a Native American feel to it, yeah. not so much. It sounds, it's English. It sounds native, but it's English. Okay. Yeah. Um, From what I've been told. Okay. There's a there's a guy. I wish I could remember his name. That uh, works for the same company I work for. That every once in a while, will just pop up on a like a random reply all, and his last name is like. Um, it's not Night Horse, but it's some super cool. Yes. Just like you see it, and like, oh my God, yeah. Johnson. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, and then of course you got, you were, I don't know, blessed or gifted with uh, a f- the physical manifestation of your last name, right? Yeah, right. Is it is it the destiny fulfilled? Is that the idea? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I have spots on the back of my head where my hair's turned white yep, from free. vitiligo. What's that? Vitiligo is what Michael Jackson had. That turn you basically uh, your body kills the pigment in your skin, Weird. just kills the, the melanin. And that's why he started wearing the the glove on his left hand. For real? For real? Okay. Is why he started wearing the glove on his left hand because he he was losing pigment there and probably other places too, but it's all right, covered. Right, vitiligo. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I just always thought it was like uh, just some random cool thing that happened to your hair or a birthmark or genetic. Yeah. But are there it changes over time? The symptoms? Does it bother you or? Nope. Okay. It's just and on being a white guy, it's not that big of a deal. Right. If you're a person of color, right, it's a lot more obvious. And there's certainly you know michael jackson and others uh there's a model winnie harlow who's real sort of in front of the whole vitiligo 
appreciation and acceptance movement. And okay. Uh, Domino you... from the Avengers, or not the Avengers, but one of the comics okay. is, is a vitiligo character. Um, God, man. So, Google is such a weird... Did you watch the KU game last genetic. night? I did. Okay. Watch the KU game. Did you happen to get a look at the Providence head coach? Yeah, he's got some stuff on the back of his head, right? I mean, I it I, I typed could be like I don't know, hardly anything into Google yeah. and just the auto-generated results. You know what's wrong with the Providence coach's head? You know, like so, so yeah. many people. All I did was like Providence head coach, and then it just showed me like. 20 things that people it reads are your mind now well it does but like the you know uh, i i feel like there's a a lot of folks out there that they're all watching and they're all typing it in i know i know but they're the 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 things that the way that they ask the way that they use language just mm. like you know what's wrong you know and and he's there it's a condition uh it, it's Maybe alopecia, but it could be one or two other things. Mm -hmm. But anyway, mm -hmm. man. It's... I'm going to turn so they can see the back of my head. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And I mean, the one there kind of right in between, the little cluster in between your ears there in the center used to be, you know, like thumbnail sized yeah. for a long time. Sure, yeah. But... Yeah, and when and this, if I get tan, then the stuff that's on my face, like it's all around my eyes, and it's uh, I've got a spot here, and then yeah, but it just it, what's all around your eyes? It the vitiligo, the but it's not. I don't. I mean, I don't see anything. No, I'm white. It just doesn't show up in the summer ah, or in the hence, winter. Hence your point with yeah. people of color. Yeah, yeah. So uh anyway yeah um it's a weird thing probably yeah genetic probably is why we had the family name i wonder what the family name would have been like if we didn't have that genetic condition would it have been like sleeps in <laughs> serial dater <laughs> yes yeah, my sister called you that at one point <laughs> yeah gosh. um and not by choice you know right right i mean i just it's hard to land yeah you know. yeah Hard to be right. Uh, well, I mean, hard to get it right. Relationships are hard. Well, it's not, not for a lack of effort. It's it's hard to realize when you're realizing that you're not right. Mm. You know, or you thought you were right, mm. right? Because you're. I mean, I the well, the feeling we just we were just talking a minute ago about feeling like it's important, uh, and if you just pivot two degrees. And there's a whole other perspective where you're like, I can do the things that I want to do and be a good father and mm. all all these other things and seek and pursue happiness yep. uh, and success. And I don't have to be partnered with somebody. You know, a lot of the time it feels like it sure would be nice if I was. But I mean, that's I've talked in a couple of other episodes, uh, you know, with other fellow divorcees and uh this whole just concept of growing up thinking you know you finish high school and you go to college and you get married and you have kids and you buy a house and you work until you retire and then you maybe travel for a minute and then you die 
you get one life, you know, and then, yeah, and you're a kid and you get taught that's the way you're going to do it. Yeah. And then you get to a point and you say, why do I have to do it that way? Why do I have to do it the way it's been done by everybody else? Yeah. I'm still, re- I still wrestle with that, you know, and so it's like, yeah. If you're not wrestling with it, I wonder if you, if things are okay up in your noodle, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's a sign of, of, yeah, good self-introspection. If you can think hard about, you know, what you're doing with your life. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, and not just what it means to you, but to others. And, and you don't, I've struggled with the idea of, of wanting to leave this amazing legacy. It's like, don't measure yourself against all these people that you hear about all your time, all the time, you know, yeah. famous people and their legacy. And, you know, you, and not everyone can be, you know, Ben Franklin and George Washington. I'm really glad you right? said that. Cause, uh, that is, um, maybe the single biggest thing that I have not been able to pivot away from even right now, this very second, like, you know, 47 was a few months ago and 48 will be at the end of this year. And, uh, you know, uh, at at once I hit 46, Mm. you know, it's like everything is, you're just really inching towards 50, which then is like, (laughs) you know, how much time do I have left? So I, from a, a parent, yeah. Especially like uh, creative uh, um, was always first until yeah. I became a father. And that's the priority. Yeah. And so, but those are the two things like, yeah, and also, you know, uh, how, you know, when I'm gone, I, I don't know if this is superficial or shallow, mm-hmm. but like I want people to say or at least think privately, he, that was a good, he was a good guy. Something, something positive, You know, right? like I didn't have to. You know, like, uh, who was it uh, in Saving Private Ryan? Uh, What's Tom Hanks' character? Uh, Captain John Miller, I think. He says, this Ryan better be worth it. He better invent uh, the longer-lasting light bulb or something. And I don't have, you know, that. Oh, that guy, he was nice, and he was a good neighbor. He was a good writer uh, or whatever. He Nobody's going to talk yeah. about my dunking skills or you know anything crazy like that <laughs> no, they're not but that's okay yeah dunks yeah. are easy when you're you know yeah. seven feet tall right but it's and you know um kids it's your and, kids that's um, that's the legacy and and if you can achieve that everything else is cherries on top right right cherries that's the bar where you set the bars you just got to be important for your kids and if you handle that Maybe for a couple other people that mean something in your life too along the way. That's yeah. that's pretty good legacy to leave behind. You just don't want to be infamous, right? <laughs> I mean, right. That's something you I try to avoid. You know. Yeah, I, I guess I would rather be notorious than infamous. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, so you and Brandon, just the two of you, right? Yeah. And he's four, six years older six. than me. Um, yeah. Um, where did your folks meet? Uh, Oklahoma. So they grew up, yeah, they're both Oklahoma kids, like, um, suburb, like rural suburbs of Oklahoma city. And, you know, uh, very blue collar. Um, and then met in high school, went to Oklahoma university together, had, is uh, that Tulsa? Uh, Norman, Norman. Norman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, OU. And then when, uh, my dad was, uh, got an art degree, my mom got an education degree. 
dad got hired by Hallmark uh, right out of college, and that's why they moved here in like 1966, roughly. And then uh, my dad got drafted and sent to Vietnam in 68. Okay. And when he left for Vietnam, my mom was pregnant and with my brother brandon and didn't come and then my dad didn't get back to like almost you know 1970 late 69 70 and so my brother was born during that time while my dad was in vietnam and i was not in existence yet so the fact that he made it back you know other which was a fortunate thing he is lucky to make it back so he made it back and and had me so that's maybe that's that whole private ryan yeah you know you survive a war that's pretty good i mean there's freaking they're doing red dawn in ukraine right now for real i mean i know there are memes and jokes about it i mean it might as well they got people civilians out there fighting the russians yeah yes yeah absolutely not necessarily like teenagers that fled from their high school building and went directly into combat screaming wolverine but but it's as close it's even better it's like accountants and bus drivers and it's ridiculous so yeah we get out of covid and we go into that that's yeah good times good times um so (laughs) how long did he work for hallmark yeah 15 years roughly okay and your mom was in was she, was she a teacher? She taught okay. um, school here. Okay. Yeah, and then at eventually high school at East. Did, so. she, did she sub sometimes? No, uh, no. I mean, event, she did after she retired. She okay. Subbed. But we would have never seen her in the classroom? Yeah, she taught special ed, so. Okay. All right. Um, man. And are, are they both still around? And my dad passed away in 2010. Okay. Wow, maybe that's when we connected. Could have been. It sounds um, about the right time. And then my mom's still kicking. Yeah. Uh, we'll be 80. Wow. Um, yeah. Was there... Uh, did, did somebody have a condition of some, like, health, physical health? Either your mom or your dad? Like when I was a kid? I mean, or yeah, or recently? No, I mean, my dad died of cancer. Okay. Um, Standard. He smoked and drank and had lung cancer and probably other assorted chemicals that left over from Vietnam. Sure. Agent Orange and stuff like that. Um, Was he he sick for a long time or? No, man. No, and if he was, he wouldn't have let you know. He was a tough guy, so there was no... Uh, I don't know. For some reason, admitting weakness. For some reason, I had it in my head that one of your parents, um, like, ha- had a hard time getting around or something like that. I don't know why. Yeah, no. I mean, shit. I have a hard time getting. Around. <laughs> I know, man. I, I thought I heard you grumble coming down the stairs, oh, yeah. and you're not the first one. People are like, you loud. <laughs> like, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a lot of things that I did not anticipate, um, for this project, Mm. uh, one people Mm -hmm. saying no, Mm -hmm. like getting all, getting the space, getting all the stuff, then figuring out what to do with it. Yeah. And then, okay, now I feel confident I can go and start reaching out. And like a lot of people are like, no, really? Well, yeah. Like probably that voice on the answering machine thing. I don't want to be on the internet. 
So at some point in your life, you start saying yes and you stop saying no, I think. Just as a general, yeah, I want to try that. Yeah, I want to do one of those. Yeah, I'd like to perform on stage. Yeah, I'd like to, because you're trying to accomplish, you're trying to check those things off the list, right? That I have probably, uh, I'm just going to spitball here. Um, I've probably got 15 minutes worth Mm. of stand-up material. Mm -hmm. But I mean, all I'm doing is, compiling it in note fashion like i am nowhere near i know where to go i know where to go and what time to be you know and all that stuff but i am i may never do it it's hard but i i'm interested in entertaining the challenge entertaining the thought of it look Um, i'm i'm a snob when it comes to culture like music art uh, uh movies comedians right and there's a lot of bad comedians out there that are just they make you cringe you know Mm -hmm. or you've heard the jokes before certainly if you've been you know watched enough and been around long enough you've heard the jokes before some version of it and to be someone who stands out and is better than the rest you have to really work hard and and well be original be original you have to write whether it's you know, pen yeah. and paper you or your phone. Fail a lot too, and like practice, like yeah. probably in your well, in, sure. in your bathroom in front of the mirror all the time, or right. someplace in your you're walking. So who do you like? Who are your big comedians? Who would you? Who are the guys that make you laugh, or girls that make you laugh? Uh, I mean, Louis C.K. and Tom Segura are the two best in the world, uh-huh. in my opinion. Uh-huh. Um, but um, you know, I, I like Bill Burr. Um, Feels good. He's yeah. um, he's all right. I've I've seen good. I've seen probably Tom Skrow's wife Christina Pajitsky. She her her special. She's got an hour and then a thirty minute bit both on Netflix. They're real good. Uh-huh. Um, but I've probably seen nine or ten shows here in the last six or seven months, and a lot of them are are kind of up and comers. Yeah. Um, uh, Jesus Trejo, I saw he, when he came through here. He was fantastic. Uh, Josh Wolf, he's he's pretty good too. Um, so you're up on all of it. You're following the stuff. Yeah. You think I think of the people that who were the big people when we were growing up. It was Sam Kennison. Yep. Was he was avant garde. He was pushing the boundaries, you know, and, and very uncomfortable, right? Same with uh, Dice Clay. Dice Clay, yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> making you uncomfortable, you know. Well, making me uncomfortable in ways that I couldn't even understand with, like, the dirty uh, limerick, dirty, <laughs> dirty nursery. I got a leg pinned behead, like, behind a head like Bugs fucking Bunny. And I was like, for I, for years, I was like, do you, will there ever be a situation where I will have to pin somebody's legs behind their head while I'm having, to, you know, like, I can't Beautiful. even, I don't know. I don't know what that means. Stuff you learn. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're anyway. You're a snob, culture snob. Yeah, so you want to you, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think Same. you have to be right. Yeah, that was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't actually. Uh, you know, part another piece of anyway. Uh, uh, people saying no, and then the stairs, like fifty percent plus of the folks that have done an episode have huh. either come slowly down the stairs <laughs> or been audible, uh-huh. and I did like. 
I, I was worried about <laughs> will will people want to come into another person's home and then go in their basement to do this? I didn't think about the actual stairs, you know, like, mm. but I get it now. Um, You're not ADA. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. Um, get the lawyers. Yeah. Sign a waiver. Um, man, I lost my train of thought. There was another uh, piece to getting this off the ground and had to do with oh i did so a web gal uh, to design the logo and create the website and all that stuff and uh you know i hand her the money and she's like i need like bio and artwork and i was like "Uh, yeah i know i'll I'll get it and then so i sit down to write the bio and i'm like i don't even know and it it came to me thankfully but the, the whole idea was you know i've had this uh, indisputable archive of what's good music and what's not in my head for all these years. And it's like, don't be a dipstick, like ask somebody else, you know? So yeah. that's kind of like, yeah. I, I suppose this is all uh, some kind of subconscious effort to shed a layer of snobbery in the culture department. Yeah. Well, part of absorbing culture listening or, or experiencing it for the first time is you have to have an open mind if you're really going to be able to make that determination if you like it or not if you yeah. go in there saying no this sucks i don't want to well you're not gonna like it. yeah i mean you might but yeah i mean so you give it a chance whatever it is whatever new thing you're checking out you give it a chance if you like it if it does something if it means something then it has value, you know? Yeah. That's all you're asking for, I think. That's all I'm asking for is a little bit of value from whatever it is I'm... Embracing or well, exploring? Yeah, observing, yeah. Okay. And, and the, you know, there's something worth the... I mean, look, we we put such a high value on just paying attention to things right now, our attention. I mean, every single day, all day long, we have to be paying attention to stuff. Yeah. Um, or we feel empty. I mean, that, that's not how we grew up when maybe, but we were out, we were, we had longer attention spans. I like to think for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we didn't have, uh, not only devices that detract, but then, but then people programming products for those devices that are like geared towards, you know, getting you, I don't know. I don't know how to it's, describe it. It's all it, very but. sci-fi, and they wrote about it in old science fiction novels, which if you read old science fiction novels, you'll see all the stuff that is happening now that right. they predicted. And it's really fascinating to think that they had that they knew. It's like Shakespeare. He, you know, 500 years ago, he's writing stuff that still applies today. Yeah. He just knows how people work. You know, that's just how people work. They knew that, yeah, it was going to be about being connected and, and, con- and the ease of of you know being able to connect you know whereas we used to write letters and put all that effort into it and you had whole furniture designed just so that you could build write letters you know yeah i'm glad i'm glad you said that because uh before we try to get back on track uh i wanted to know if what you're doing professionally these days is uh, a thing that you want to plug, and if it is, uh, is it yeah. visible online? Or like, to, to tell me what you got going on. Yeah, I've been restoring furniture and doing woodworking for twenty-ish years. Yeah, working in that industry with some uh, 
sabbaticals here and there. Um, I do it out of my home. I don't have a storefront. I don't really advertise much online. Um, it's a lot of word of mouth. But yeah, I still do it. It's a love-hate relationship. I'm trying to do something different, but at the same time maintain that. Something different than like what your competitors might be doing? Or no, you want to sh- shift like away from it? Different industry. You know, yeah, it's like I want to, now I'm like thinking about I could go out and travel and do something where I could get out of town. Anyway. Okay. So yeah, I do that right now. I work with my hands and I don't want to do it forever, but yeah, I'm still doing it. Okay. And I enjoy it when, you know. How, you, you say, what are some examples of uh, word of mouth where a project has landed in your lap? Oh, man. Um, or an example. Good question. Um, I mean, people will just call me and be like, I got your number from so-and-so. Okay. And I have some chairs. My kids both have jobs. And once their managers find out what I do, they, will your dad fix this for me? And Yeah, not for free, but yeah, he yeah. will. <laughs> well, and then it's like, you know, it's weird when you, if you end up working for someone who's a friend, because you you don't want to mix the two things, no, you know. Sometimes no. you want to stay away from that. Yeah, you my have to manage that. Almost all of the um, artwork in my house has been framed by Sean Smith at his shop oh, up yeah. north of the river. I mean, these two pieces, uh, and I think oh, it was when he delivered these two, and there was there was a third with them. Uh, you know, a, lo- a lot of times he'll like. Uh, I mean, if I, if I actually drive up to the shop to pick them up, then there's a, a formal kind of transaction, mm. but sometimes he'll just, you know, he lives real close. So sometimes he'll just bring them. And then I'll, a couple times I've had been like, Hey man, like, can you please tell me how much I owe? And then like one time I did it with Apple pay and I probably Venmoed him one time. And it's so all these, I mean, I've literally like almost everything in the house has been done by him. And yeah. I think this last time, uh, I was like, dude, like invoice please not because i want to see itemized but i just want to i need to know that i've paid him (laughs) because i think there was one where yeah like months maybe even a year and a half went by and he was like doing his books and he's like hey and i was like oh my god i'm so fucking embarrassed that we never paid you for that so anyway he he actually uh, he got around to and he sent me an invoice and it was line item and there was like a significant discount yeah and i I panicked in two ways because one, I was like, has he been giving me a discount this whole time? And I've never once thanked him. Uh And second, right. And second of all, uh, I wish that he wouldn't feel obligated to give that to me because I'm going to him because I love him and he's my buddy and I want to support his business and he does a good job. Not because I expect a hookup, you know, I, I try to give people the same price, depending on the work and not what kind of house they live in. Uh, but there's been some clients where I just don't feel right taking a lot of money from them. You know, people that are probably on fixed incomes and I mean, I charge them, but I, I give them a deal. Right. Well, I mean, if you're doing that out of the, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, you just want to be in balance. Yeah, with exactly. The you know, it's not, you just you know what's right and wrong and who can pay and who can't and 
I prefer doing it that way as yeah. like trying to profit off of that. I want to profit in other ways. Yeah. Well, so where did the, um, how did this, uh, furniture restoration thing yeah. bestow itself upon you? Where did it come <laughs> from? You remember when you used to look in the newspaper, remember newspapers? Of course. And they had ads for jobs in the back. Yeah. And you'd, that, you'd circle them. Yeah. Call them up yeah. on your rotary telephone. Yeah. yeah. And write it down, uh-huh. the address, and then look at like a map book to figure out where you had to go yeah. or ask the old guy down the street where it is because yeah. he knew where I've, everything I've was. known people in my life that yeah. will drive if they've never been there before not necessarily today with gps but if they've never been there before yeah they'll drive there the night before yeah and then come home and they're like all right i know where i'm going I know my route yeah I figured it out yeah yeah i mean sure i i would do that before job interviews um no it was a answer a job in the paper um and we would uh go to people's houses they trained us we would go to people's house people's houses and fix their new furniture and take our little furniture kit with them. It's basically artwork and just being good with your hands and knowing how to use tools and fix This was things. a company that was like, this is what we do and we're hiring people? Yeah. And you got in in that and then decided you wanted to try it on your own? Or? Well, then, um, you know, you... And then I got a job building houses for a while. Okay. Like, and so with that, you travel a lot. Well, if what I was doing. We traveled a lot, which is fine for a year or so. And then you're sick of it. Yeah. And so you change your job again. You're like, Oh, they're hiring at the furniture store to, I already know how to do it. And then, you know, you know how to do it. Yeah. Great. And you go and you do it and you get the job and you're like, great. I have a job now. I can pay my rent. Um, did you, you didn't ever work for Callison though. Did you? Nope. Does he still do that? No. Oh, really? Yeah. What was it? Was Timber in the name of his? Uh-huh. What was it called? Elmwood, Tim, Elmwood Reclaimed. That's Timber. right. But God, they, he, he sold that. Oh. Uh, like right during COVID. Okay. Like he did it so, for like yeah. 20, 20 years? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did Garvin work for him? And he's still working for Elmwood. He's been there over 20 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was putting together my notes, uh-huh. I was thinking back to like, I mean, probably middle school whenever you know we first got to know each other and just for the longest time like if i would hear your name or see your name i would automatically have the image of garvin yeah like you know like you guys were bert and ernie or something for bert and ernie yeah totally and disc disc golf did you guys play a lot of disc golf or did he or was that his deal so we yeah all of us would go down and play disc golf down at rosedale park yep and um smoke pot walk (laughs) you don't say yeah walk and uh you know that was what we did and take your dog with you and we're hippie kids so at some point we all started growing our hair out i started listening to the grateful dead you did too yeah but then you're like, yeah, fish is better. Mm, <laughs> no. Uh, then Jerry died in 95. And no, see, I, 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 when I was building my library collection, uh, one of my elements of musical snobbery was this sort of hatred for uh, greatest hits collections. Okay. Um, and I would like 
you know, stamp my feet and preach it, preach it because it's not, it's not the feel of the album, the piece of art that created the song that made the song popular that then made the the company want to say it's highlights. It's, yes, it's so, but I would, but I as as vociferously as I would preach this, I would violate my own principle because I had very limited funds to buy music with. So occasionally i.e. skeletons from the closet the best of the grateful dead i gave that thing like i bet five over time five solid listens and uh i was like i don't get it at all i don't um know what it is i mean i obviously had heard trucking and sugar magnolia anyway point being i just kind of like i don't know checked out on them for a little bit i mean I, I i did the same with some other art like I, you know i bought uh legend bob marley uh but eventually replaced that with all of i mean i own everything anyway uh i started which is amazing because i know dozens of bob marley but they're all essentially the same not true they not are true. though not true at all they are and they aren't they all have their kaya has an entirely different identity than uh you know um shit well even go back and listen to the stuff when he was wearing like a suit like the uh the what did they call that it wasn't reggae but it was like the pre-reggae in like the 50s and mm, i don't know that they were know. listening is dance hall or okay. something like that they reggaeton called it. yeah and they uh, they were much more like formal and well the 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 genre of music lends itself to a lot of similarity but um i i personally think that each of bob's albums are different but great chris fickle turned me on to fish senior year uh-huh. cruising around in his was jetta i think it was and smoking pot and i was like oh dude this is where it's at. And then I went away to college and hooked up with some dudes from outside of Wichita. And one of them was real. And I was like, Oh dude. Oh, so then I bought the entire grateful dead library over time and much love and appreciation for them. But, uh, and then fickle quits. He hates fish. (laughs) It's the funniest. Really? Yeah. But anyway, you're, you're throwing discs and listening to the grateful dead and growing your hair out. Yeah, and then, you know, not a care in the world. So, yeah, that's what we did for fun. And um, then, yeah, um, phases, right? Yeah. You're just going through different phases. So, uh, all right, um, music in, in your house growing up? So, country music. Um, for my dad, okay. Willie Nelson, nice, the good stuff, yeah, stuff that's still Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard. Merle, I was just gonna say Merle Haggard, Oklahoma. There's that whole yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, uh, Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson, nice, and, uh, the the um, even the ladies, you know the, and I can't remember them now. But they would, um, he would listen to that. And we would listen to that stuff on 8-track. And we would nice. go down to Oklahoma in the summertime. The only the name winter. that comes to mind for me is Emmylou Harris. I couldn't, Emmylou Harris. I couldn't name anybody else, Absolutely. I don't think. Probably Dolly. Go. I don't know. Dolly, definitely. Um, Rita Coolidge. There you go. Um, 
And we drive down, yeah, eight track, listening to all that stuff. Nice. And then the older brother helped a little bit with, and he was listening to rock and roll. So we listened to you know, like KY 102. Yeah. Uh, not not so much for mom. That dad just kind of steered the ship. Yeah, no, musically. mom was like you know like ABBA, and so we I, weren't. I like ABBA. Uh, no, now I, it's. I would there, I would buy uh, was, an ABBA greatest hits. <laughs> as a matter of fact, which is wrong in two ways. Yeah, all of a sudden it's right because uh-huh. you're like they're actually pretty good. I mean, they're I like their hits. You know. Yeah, that Waterloo, that's a jam. No, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, uh, Ace of Base. Uh, that's who I like, not Abba. That's who you like. Yeah. Okay. Um, Which, same country, maybe? Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. So your brother was listening to the radio, yeah, and you guys and, had eight tracks. Yeah, and then um, we had a cousin move in with us, and she was oh, older. Really? She, yeah, she was a couple, same same house. Yeah, okay. And she was a couple years older than my brother, and she was into hair bands. Nice. So Van Halen, yeah. Aerosmith, okay. Judas Priest, uh, oh, Iron Maiden. I'll I'll say in another slice of my own snobbery. I don't call. I would say those guys are hard rock, and yeah. hair bands more like uh, you know. It was. It's crossover, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. if you have to not subdivide them. I don't know right. what you call it because you can't call Aerosmith heavy metal. No, it's hard rock. Heavy metals like Metallica and Anthrax and Slayer and hair bands are like cheesy eighty. I mean, they're they're musicians and they're professionals, but they have a look and makeup and a persona and. I, and we're terrible for the yes, part. yeah. But so the cousin was older than your brother, just a couple years, a couple years, okay. And so, yeah, you hear you know, running with the devil for the first time, and you're like, that's you know, Willie's good, but yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty fun right yeah. there. Um, and at the same time, kids at school also telling me about other music, yeah. listen to other music, and. He's, and yeah, you know, uh, Stones, Zeppelin, and, and the Beatles were like the first three that yeah, man, get so, you going. Um, <laughs> we, I, I, I feel I laugh because I feel a little bit silly and, and embarrassed, but um, we had an interesting uh, chore bestowed upon us uh, in our in our time at East in that, uh, we both, uh, worked for Robert Dillon and, uh, or at least we're, yeah, yeah. We worked because we both were on, we were on the Harbinger staff, the newspaper staff, right? We were on the newspaper staff. And I don't know, know what your job was. I was a cartoonist. Okay. I was a writer. And you I were was a writer. writer. So sense. you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. we, every Thursday. It was like on a Thursday. Uh, we had mm-hmm. somebody would be tagged with the chore of like driving to Olathe or someplace not close to 75th and Mission, and it was it was like a, a like a handoff. Like we would we would be delivering the something, but the the end goal was to get the paper printed. It was it was the template. Of the newspaper yes. after it was done, 
we finished it on like Wednesday. Then yeah. we, you and I would show up Thursday. It wasn't whatever hour, fourth hour. It wasn't. I felt like he would choose or he would ask for volunteers. Well, we were seniors and not that many people could drive. Right, right, right. And yeah, he would ask for volunteers. And we were interested because A, get to South Campus. Yeah, because you got on the whole period. 45 minutes, you got yeah. on the whole time. Yeah, and B, uh, and smoke bad hits on the way and smoke anything. cigarettes yeah. and uh, listen to music. Just jam out. And that was, um, you know. And he knew it. He yeah, had to know. Yeah. Well, he was he was burning heaters in his car in the parking lot <laughs> his entire career. Awesome. Um, but that the, the couple of those trips were uh, the first time that I really um, kind of went off the beaten path listening wise and conversation wise mm. with another person as it pertains to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and yeah. like we would talk fucking House of the Holy and Led Zeppelin three and you know. Uh, talk about favorite tracks and it was i really yeah. enjoyed it i mean it was, i think so what was it? i mean what was the chemistry right that made that happen and us to have that similar result right? yeah i don't we're both couple white suburban kids right yeah. fairly normal families right yeah um normal same group of friends right so there's all these similarities and so then you throw in led zeppelin what is led zeppelin it's an english rock band Right. Um, and there's four of them and it's, it's them and, and they make noise. Right. And, but they're playing black Southern music, right? Some of it. Yeah. So blues, black blues. Southern blues. Yeah. Right. Um, stuff that they were influenced by growing up in England. Right. Yeah. So it's this whole, you know, sort of connected chain of, of, because what we're doing is we're being influenced by them. They were being influenced by us, but 50 years before us and a different skin color. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So wh- how does that even manifest and, and make make its way through time and space and have that same result? Not with just you and I, right? right. But with every other kid that is of the same ilk as us. Yeah. It's like, yeah. And have license plate that say Led Zepp, right? Yeah. Stuff like that. And it's like, what, how, how did Muddy Waters and Kansas Joe Brown or whatever his name was that sang When the Levee Breaks, how did that stuff reemerge right. from the bogs of... Well, I mean, I was just talking to Gronky about it last week. Like, uh, the opening track of License to Ill mm-hmm. has got a sample from of the drums from when the levee breaks uh-huh. and there's a couple others that samples nice. across that album, yeah, but yeah. it's like, and, they're sampling that. <laughs> and it's, and it's instantly recognizable. Yep. And, and yep. it's, they have entire chapters and books written about just how they sound engineered that to get where the microphones were above his drum. And they had three mics and they were hanging. It was then the stairwell of Headley Grange and it was rainy and misty that day. So you had a (laughs) thick air and you're, you're, you got, you got some knowledge on this. Oh, I mean, it's legendary, right? For that, what second and a half, two seconds of just raw power. Yeah. My, my, I was talking to you about my cousin, uh, and all the pointers, uh, shout out to cousin Bob. Uh, hey, Bob. he was like, uh, you know, uh, at some point you're going to want to start. I've never had an external hard drive before. He's like, at some point you're going to run out of room. I was like, I, there's a lot of room on there. He's like, 
the length of episodes that you're doing, you're going to run out of room fast. So you should probably start eventually start deleting. And I was like, don't you think I should just get another external hard drive? And he goes, I mean, you're not Led Zeppelin. They're not gonna like pour through your archives and like make a box set out of this shit. I was there like, there was another that's, that's new a good point. song I just heard the other day that they put out. What? I'll look it up okay. while we're talking. Okay. And yeah. Wow. And it's like Zeppelin has even sampled themselves. I'm sure they have. They have. He did it on Robert Plant. Did it on that. Lighten up, baby. I'm in love with you. Oh and right God. Right at the yeah. end of it, there's the whole. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. He, he so there's that whole weird. He, they've even mocked themselves and sampled sure. themselves. I saw footage of him like a week ago, and it was kind of recent mm-hmm. singing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like a dead man. I was like, why are you still getting on stage in front of people, dude? Are you like strapped? Like what? I mean, I'm sure you still love it, but yeah. also, ugh. There, he's getting huge positive reviews. Him and Allison Krauss. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. why. I mean, that's they're like putting out tons of really good. I don't. It's not my deal, right? And he hasn't been my deal since Zeppelin. Although the stuff he did here and there was some of the Ship of Fools. There's some good stuff, right? There's some one other stuff. one too. And then he did Walking to Clarksdale. I think is the name of it. Okay, with Jimmy, which is kind of a revisiting of the blues. Sure. Um. So, but here's the deal. That sent me on on a musical direction, which, because I'm looking at the liner notes. Remember liner notes, Of course, right? of course. And it says, you know, traditional arrangement, Jimmy Page, original. Willie Dixon. Willie Dixon. Howlin' Wolf. On like four or five of them. Willie Dixon, Howlin' Wolf. And then they got sued and started to have list the other people that they. Well, I think they. I think they tried to ignore it for a while. Oh, they did. And then... They had to pay Muddy Waters for yes, a whole lot of love. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, which, if you listen to Muddy's version, you're like, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the same thing. That's that's the song. Um, but um, that's when I started listening to the original blues, Musicians. Nice. And that's when I started playing harmonica because oh, yeah. I had tried every other instrument and sucked at them. But that one, I kind of stuck huh. so you still play i still play nice and um you know it opened up that whole new world of not just music but of culture because they're singing about what it's like to be where they are and who they are yeah and talking about people of color in the south yeah you know yeah. sharecroppers mainly and 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 that's where it all came from was the gospel there was some like thing I just heard the other night. It was like the seven, you know, originator originators of music, and it was like the gospel and like European classical and and like tribal this and that. And they've tried to break it all down into like the anthropology of music, right? Wild. And I'm like, eh, it's a little bit fascinating. Kinda, yeah, a little bit. I think you know. It's you can take it back as far as you want, and it's just the noises we make, right? Yeah, we've been making noises. We just didn't always have stairwells to hang microphones in, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so how, uh, so you eventually uh, back in that time, um, I mean, did you go 
deep Grateful Dead or just kind of like casual or? I was casual compared to my friends who were like big time. Like collecting bootlegs and trading. Yeah. And... yeah. Okay. And, and you know, having dreadlocks and mm. not showering and no, no, I'm kidding. Okay. But, um, I, I, it was cool, but I couldn't, I've, I've always had a hard time fitting in one category. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think most of the members of Grateful Dead would say that their their experience was the same. Yeah. You know, yeah, kind of a little hodgepodgey and found a a groove, and here we are. Yeah, right. I mean, we listened to the original Grateful Dead with Pigpen. Not right? not my thing. It's I raw. A, it's really I have a buddy, raw. my guest from episode one, with the, where the video went out. He was like, "I got to be, I got to be in the mood." I was like, "That's a really good way of putting it," but I'm yeah. never going to be in the mood for that stuff. It's just, it's they were learning and it was raw. I mean, they were they were. It's not that they were not talented or not creating original material. It's just not my thing. Yeah, because I'm more into like seventy three and seventy eight, and when they were yeah. just man. Yeah. I mean, otherworldly, uh, and and so far departed from that like mid to late sixties kind of like you know twangy, bluesy, folky, folky. kind of yeah. just a little bit of distortion. Child yeah, and, yeah, yeah. A little over the top with the. Well, okay. So you want to. I came in to talk about the White Album. You did. You did. Um, talk is a, a a figurative or loose term. Uh, I want to make sure that I covered all of my... Uh, all right. That, that, uh, um, so, yeah. Oh, the last thing was, um, do you remember on one of our... Uh, infamous <laughs> or notorious uh trips to get the paper printed that there was a very aggressive effort to detain us do you remember this did we get pulled over the gambler do you remember the gambler yeah yeah uh i think he was around only for senior year or maybe junior and senior year they call it a school resource officer now. yeah yeah is, yeah is what they call that person. uh or rent a cop we used to say but anyway um, he, I, I don't know if we evaded him in the parking lot or he just saw us from a distance, but either way we stopped at the Texaco at 83rd and mission Yeah, to get smokes probably yeah. or a Coke or something. And he came into the inside and it was like, Ooh. and asked for hall passes. I was like, who the fuck do you think you are? This is. You missed when we pulled out of the parking lot, that was your, your jurisdiction ended <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, and it was like this whole thing where his presence had created a lot of strife for some people that were probably, I don't know, skipping more than others or smoking pot. I don't know, doing, but that well, some people would have run-ins with him a lot. And so it created this reputation yeah. where the rest of us are like, yeah, fuck that guy. But we didn't really have any. Yeah. And then at that point I was like, yeah, double fuck you right in your face. Like, what do you? You know, and I mean, we, Bob Dylan, Robert Dylan would give us yeah. a hall pass. We were legit. And so, but he's, you know, I remember him looking at it there in the gas, in the Texaco being like, so frustrated. How can I, 
how is a hall pass translate to you dry? It's like, dude, I mean, if you want to take it all the way back, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably going to create a little heat for you. But yeah. I mean, anyway, that was, that was wild. I, 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 we probably were about to get high or had just gotten high or this yeah. element of paranoia layered on top of the whole thing. I'm, I'm, and knowing that now, you know what he was doing. Yeah, I don't envy his job. Cause no, not at all. We we uh, we were gonna do whatever we were gonna yeah. do. We weren't gonna listen to him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I want to get to the Wyatt album, but before that, uh, I don't know why, but I just out of curiosity wanted to get a glance at double albums. So I just Googled best double albums and, uh, I went to the first result that came up. It's not a link. It's not an article or any, it's just, it's just a Google result just laying there on the top of the results page. And I'm curious what your guess would be as to how many this best double albums list generated. How many albums were on the list? Yeah. I mean, and if we're just like looking at rock albums, I can think of 10 like pretty fast. Okay. And then I, probably another 10 that okay. if you kick it around, you're going to come up with. But, 46. I mean. And I want to I wanna read you the list. But yeah. first I want you to guess. Sure. Uh, this These are not ranked. Uh, it was totally random. I rearranged them by descending chronological order. Descending chronological. So most okay. recent first. Most recent first. Um, but I want you to guess. So we're talking basically six decades. Which decade do you think produced the most double albums? I mean, the 70s. <laughs> it's not even close. Uh, so you got one from the 2010s. You got four from the aughts or the 2000s. Eight from the 90s. Six from the eighties, six from the sixties, and twenty-one from the seventies. Yeah, I mean it's wild. It was um, the big deal, right? Yeah, and and I just you know I th- I don't think prior to talking to you on the phone a couple weeks ago. Yeah, uh, I don't think that I would have been able to go to ten. You know, I I have three, four, five, maybe. Well, Zeppelin put out two. If you consider Song Remains the Same a double album. Nah, Song Remains the Same is not original material. So, one, Physical Graffiti. Yes. One big double album. Yep. Um, and then, uh, who, who was I going to... Oh, The Who. I, put out there's, two, at yeah, least. It, Quadrophenia and Tommy. Dude. Right? This guy knows his stuff. So... And see, I know those records, but I didn't ever, like them being a double album yeah didn't and i i totally sat with the liner notes uh i don't know that i ever did with tommy but definitely quadrophenia um but and i can't think of any double albums the stones did exile exile on main street yeah. was a double album. yeah okay so Fantastic album. um they had four in a row that were super the stones yeah not a big stones guy never yeah. happened um Anyway, uh, the most recent one was 2011, and it's by uh, a band called M83. 
Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Never. They had enough material. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's hard and, to come up with that. And then you go 2009 Flaming Lips, Embryonic, which I'm, they're not my cup of tea either. Oh, uh, four, uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's an indie rock outfit. I've heard of them. I've never listened to them. Uh, Abattoir Blues, The Liar of Orpheus. And then uh, Outcast, Speaker Box and The Love Below. Now we're in the 90s. We've got Magnetic Fields, who I think I've also heard of, but I'm, uh, I've never listened to. 69 Love Songs. And then we go Nine Inch Nails, Notorious B.I.G. Was there really 69 songs on that album? I, I doubt it. I doubt it, unless they're uh, unless they're ninety seconds apiece. Yeah, right. Uh, Notorious B.I.G. Wu Tang. Um, That's awesome. Somebody Swans soundtracks for the blind. Tupac. I didn't realize All Eyes on Me was a double album. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Can you guess which one there of their? You know which one of theirs was? Uh, that wasn't. Wasn't Siamese Dream? Melancholy, uh, melancholy, and was, infinite sadness. That was. Yeah. Um, okay. Somebody I've never heard of called Godspeed You, Black Emperor, and an album called Lift Your Skinny Fists Like Antenna to Heaven. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> you know that? We used to. Yeah, I had that. Yeah, sure. No, I've never heard okay. of that. No. Uh, Sonic Youth, Daydream, Wilco being there, Sign of the Time. Now we're in the 80s. Sign of the Times by Prince, Husker Du with Zen Arcade, uh, uh, Minutemen, Double Nickels on the Dime. Uh, now we're almost to the 70s. Springsteen's The River, The Clash had put out two, two in a row. San Sandinista from 1980 and London Calling from 79. Floyd, The Wall, Fleetwood Max, Tusk, double album. Have you heard Tusk? No. I don't. I like pre Stevie Fleetwood, the London Blues Explosion. Peter Brown. Yeah. Stuff. Or Peter Green. I mean. Peter Green, yeah. Yeah. Um, why? Do you know Tusk? Yeah. Is it good? Um, I'll take that as a no. <laughs> it's. It's weird. It's okay. like got a real kind of heavy drum beat, and it's kind of tribal. And, Ooh, actually, might kind of like that. And unless it's like new at wave, to at least one. Okay, uh, ELO out of the blue. Man, love ELO. Stevie songs in the key of life. Yeah, right. Uh, physical right. graffiti, and then uh, I'll actually loan this to you if you have never listened to it. Uh, Genesis, the Lamb lies down on Broadway. And I've heard that that's a great album. Dude. And I just is this is that a uh, with the singer? What's his name? Uh, Peter Gabriel. Is he still with him in that? I think so. Yeah, um, I think. But it's I've not done. I've maybe done two and a half full listens. Yeah. Because it's. I mean. Yeah. You got to put yourself in there. Uh, it's it's a trip. Uh, Quadrophenia, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Um, Tales from Topographic Oceans. Yes. I was thinking that might be right? yes. Uh, um, the Big Payback. James Brown? Yeah. That was a double album? Yeah. Uh, Exile Main Street. <laughs> we here's, just played the Big Playback Payback the other night. Nice. Uh, here's another one that really blew me away because I know this record pretty well. Eat a Peach. Yeah, right. 
I mean, that's a double. I guess so. Um, Clube de Esquina by Milton Nascimento. Never heard of it. Uh, Almond Brothers get another nod for at Fillmore East, which it's live. So, well, was Eat a Peach? Wasn't that right after Dwayne died? Or right before? Was it right before? It was in that. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, then you have to put out. Okay, so then Live at the Fillmore was before that? Mm, n- n- yeah, one year before. One year one before. Year before. Okay. Uh, have you ever listened to Can? Can? Yeah. No. Dude. C-A-N. Yes. Uh, they will set your mind free. They're uh-huh. such a trip. Okay. Super cool. This this album is called Tago Mago. Uh-huh. I think it's how you pronounce it. But I didn't know they ever put out a double, AP, double uh, album. Let me Isaac Hayes, Black Moses, um, and then All Things Must Pass, George Harrison. This is 1970, which is two years after the White Album came out. So it's like he's, and I didn't realize he was pretty heavily involved in like a lot of the, um, you know, uh, the writing and the recording and the production of the white album yeah i didn't i always thought he was just kind of like quiet and whatever but uh we're almost done um bitches brew was also oh sorry 1970 bitches brew miles Miles davis Davis. layla and other assorted love songs Derek and the dominoes i didn't I didn't have any idea. Have you listened to Bitches Brew before? I mean, it's a hard. Listen. It's I, listened is a uh, choose your own definition. But he made it two two albums. Yeah, of, of yeah, that. yeah. It's a hard listen, and I love Miles Davis. Uh, Self titled Chicago, Tommy, yeah. and then Chicago again uh, in back to back years, just like the Clash, the Chicago Transit Authority. CTA. You know that record. I know songs off the record. Okay, sure. okay. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I want to check both of them out. It's, I mean, I can't remember that guitar player, but people rave about him. Right. I mean, I only know Peter Cetera, but... They um, had a guitar player who's like savant. Okay. Kind of like a Donald Becker oh, or a uh, Walter fake, Becker. Yeah, okay, and yeah. Yeah. Um, the White Alps. So this is... So if you look at it, like digitally or the cassette copy over there, it's it's really just self-titled. It's the Beatles, the Beatles. I don't think they put a title on it. It's yeah. not. Every, we, we call it the White Album. We call it the I mean, White Album. It's, if you look up the White that's it's what comes. called I mean, the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Electric Ladyland also came out in 68. Sweet. Um, and then 66, we get the first two. Blonde on Blonde. Bob Dylan. And Freak Out. The Mothers of Invention. Zappa's Zappa's. first outfit. Um, so I know that was a little cumbersome and time consuming, but I thought, I thought it was 46 and like a, a lot of effort. You know, I, I talked about this a bunch, but just first of all, mm. being blessed with the talent and the ability to either play an instrument or sing making, you know, and then being uh, in a, in a space in your life at whatever time where you meet other people and the idea of forming a band and then rehearsing and writing material and, you know, playing gigs and all this stuff. And then everything for most of this list and probably it's still true today that goes into 
uh, how do you like how many of these people were independently wealthy and they could just go in, pay cash for studio time and then produce a record and put it out? Probably none. You know, it's all the the record label is the one that's taken a gamble on this being an investment that has a return on it. And so they're giving you money as you, you know, you, you guys of your garage band and your gigs at the, and then you go in and, and, you know, so deciding how many songs, whether that's the artist's choice or the label's choice, and then how the length of songs and then the song sequence and how many arguments and fights uh, and extensions on rented studio to all the shit to put out, you know, a 10 track 45 minute album. Right. And all these motherfuckers are going in like, yeah, we're going to do twice the content. Like wild. Well, and I think that's the perfect context to explore what the white album is. Okay. Um, Because there's 30 songs on, between the two albums, 15 yep. on each. And there's maybe two or three good songs. Come on. What are you talking about? Yeah. If you're going to be snobby about it, there's maybe two or three. And what they were doing. And so, and let me back up, but that's where I'm headed is okay. when I am spending my <clears throat> money on, Cassette tapes. Your fifteen ninety nine, yeah, or whatever it was back then. I'm looking for volume. I'm looking for as much music as I can buy, <clears throat> and the double album was usually not double priced. It would maybe be a couple bucks more than the regular cassette. I I think fifteen ninety nine is you know nine ninety nine versus fifteen. So you're not you're not double, you're but not you're double. but it's not. You get a little more for your buck, yeah. and it's more time and and. So that's why I bought the White Album, because I was like, I want to buy a Beatles album. I've heard great things. Uh, Which one should I buy? And knowing very little and not having a parent who was really, I mean, they had Beatles, but they were into Abbott. What age when you're having this thought? 11, 10, 11. That's how early you were turned on to the White Album? Yeah, probably. Trying to start... you know, having stuff that I could listen to and learn. Yeah. Yeah. And figure out wow. who the Beatles were. And so I bought the white album thinking it's, you know, you look through all the cassettes and it's two. So you get the double album and that's why I picked that album. And, and knowing that they were the best band in the world, right. Before ever really hearing them, you give them a pretty wide berth. And you just assume this is greatness because that's what you've been told. So you listen to it and you listen to it. And I've learned every song. I still know every song. And learned how to play every song on the harmonica. Not well, but I learned it. Really? Yeah. Wow. You try them out and see if it translates. Um, And some of them do. I mean, we got to... I know you have stuff that you want to talk about, but we got to run through real quick tracks. Because uh, I mean, it opens with "Back in the USSR," which I call good. It's probably so. What's a good song? Um, back then, it was a song that was a single that you could play on the radio. Well, all right. right? So let's they do. They wanted to know what's the single. Let's do this. Let's do this and a that different. Might have been the single. Uh, for me, "Glass Onion" 
only serves as a lead in to Obladi. Wild honey pie is hot garbage. <laughs> um, but then you got Bungalow Bill, Guitar Gently Weeps, Happiness Swarm Gun, Martha My Dea, I'm So Tired, Blackbird, Piggies, Rocky Raccoon, Don't Pass Me By, Why Don't We Do It in the Road. I love all of those. And you want right. to tell me that there's only two good songs on the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. Out of two out of 30? Yeah. And 28 are just I mediocre mean, or garbage? What they had to do... Okay. And so you hear it and you're like, this is the Beatles, this is greatness, and this is what greatness sounds like. And then later as an adult, when you go and revisit it and people are writing articles about it, you find out, well, Ringo wasn't even on uh, back in the USSR. Okay. He wasn't even in the room. That was Paul playing drums in okay. back in the USSR. Where, where, what was... They were fighting. None, oh, they God. all were pissed okay. off at each other. Okay. So they didn't really like hanging Dude, out. Do you know what I realized? Uh, there's 22, I think. Mm-hmm. At first I saw 21 and then I saw mm-hmm. 22. And it was like, this was like 19. You know, this was almost it. They put out like... Um, yeah. This is near the end. Sure. Yeah, which... Uh, I didn't realize. Um, they had the leeway to do whatever they wanted in the studio and put it out and people would buy it. I mean, they could do that. Hmm. And even if they weren't getting along, even if they weren't at the studio on the same time, they had um, the guy that would mix it all. And it was all, you're all George Martin, right? Yeah. And you're all good to go. And he did because you call, you know, wild honey pie, it's hot garbage. Why is it even on the album? Well, cause <laughs> they, they didn't need the filler, right? They yellow sub Abbey road, let it be, are the ones that came out after this. Yeah. And it's like, which are all pretty decent albums. Yeah. And, and I knew all of the, you know, oldies feel Sergeant good. Straw, or, well, I mean, start, Sergeant peppers. Vulgar. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I knew because they weren't albums when they first came out. They right, were forty right. fives, right? The Beatles. It's yeah, why? Well, I mean, I, I, why is it on the album? I feel like, uh, they, I feel like the, even the tunes that I don't like, I, they have some kind of statement or or message or, um, uh, I don't know, man. Like they're all right. Best song on the album. <sighs> shit um i mean while my guitar gently weeps is probably the most iconic it's probably the best song right um but i mean it's a complete song it's well thought out it's completed it's not a burp that one of them left on the table that made it onto the album it's this well thought out well produced sexy um, sadie helter skelter helter skelter is the only rock song they ever played right and that's got all kinds of Manson, well, Manson stuff attached to it. Manson, yeah, but that sucks because it's if it wasn't for him and his attachment to that song, it might not have that connotation right, of being right, an evil right. song. Because it really is the the only song where they ever tried to rock, you know. Yeah. Um, but and I love it, and I can jam it out on the harmonica pretty well. I mean, I I've, <laughs> I've always loved Obla D, um, which I can't stand. Why? Because you've heard it too many times? Because it's so major key, bouncy. Yes, those things it is. Sounds like uh, some, you know, 
parade thing that kids might do with it just doesn't sound it's just i'm not there it's it it, it's, it, it, it found its way into pop culture and it sounds too pop it's too pop for me i'm so tired as a 40s brilliant. it's so good brilliant oh my god uh blackbird with the you know the 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 polished sound of the strings plucking and the bird chirping Which was that their song or was that a redo mm-hmm. yeah. because it's well it's been you know that's a uh, civil rights mantra. No kidding. Whole song and yeah. Uh, you know the one that might have piqued my interest the most in my revisit for this was Piggies. Um, very, it's like a very professional sound arrangement. Mm. Um, and uh, I think Chris Thomas plays the harpsichord and gives like a classical sound. Oh yeah, nothing and, like a good harpsichord sound. And then uh, who was it? I think it was Harrison that said. Uh, Orwellian satire on greed and consumerism. All these songs on this album, you come back later to find out, is all satire and poking fun at somebody. All of them. Well, I mean, that to me, that says, that lends itself to there being more than two great songs on if you're if you're doing some kind of message mm-hmm. or some kind of statement that's the duality of it is because it's not about it being a song it's about it being this thought of greater importance we're not just making this noise for something to hum along to we're making you think we're making right. you and they weren't just poking fun at society they were poking fun at themselves okay um sexy sadie is not about a woman no it's about the Maharaja that they went to visit in India who fooled them all into believing his crap. And what? This is, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. So they, went, find the, they went there with like sort of spiritual intentions? You know, and they went to India. I mean, I George know Harris that they did, but I don't know yeah. the stuff. And they came back and then it was stra- or, uh, the Strawberry Fields and the Sergeant Peppers and they were all hippies. Oh, okay. Because then they came back and then gotcha. they did this song and then later on they find out he was full of shit. This he was person full of shit. Well, that was their conclusion, yeah, for whatever reason and what 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 uh, what was his intention then? Was that just he's making a buck doing having this persona or big money in in religion. Yeah, that's unfortunately you're, yeah. you're right about that. Um, um, Mother Nature's Son is about Paul smoking pot. Okay. Interesting. Um, and then they song, some of the songs are about each other. I can't, I don't remember off the top of my head. I should have gone back and visited, but. Well, it's all right. Martha might be one of their moms. It might be Paul's mom. Okay. Um, did you ever watch? Or Julia's Paul. Uh, did you ever watch Parenthood? No. No? No. Oh, my God, dude. No. Do you watch much TV? I used to, and, yeah, it is their song. Um, I, I have it on in the background while I do my work a lot. Yeah. And so now I do, it's South Park. I like South Park. I've seen every South Park. I love their satire. I like a lot of the satire stuff and the animation stuff. Uh, just because it's simple. And yeah. It's, I don't have to be too emotionally involved. And, oh, well, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, these days I really only have like two shows and they watch? come out and they, I binge them and then it's another year until the next yeah. season. Uh, other than that, I don't really watch anything on television besides sports, but, yeah. uh, I did at one time, uh, you know, that looked different when I was 
a newer parent and still living under the same roof as my kid's mom. Mm-hmm. And so we would have shows that we would watch. And one of them was Parenthood, and it was on ABC. Um, and it was about four siblings and their lives as adults okay. now. And it was so freaking good, dude. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I don't think if there were four seasons or five seasons, I don't think I ever watched one episode and didn't cry like at least once. That's rough, dude. Yeah. Every day you're going in knowing that you're going to have this yeah. emotional. Um, but the point of it is yeah. that the, uh, the, the, the theme, the intro song, mm-hmm. uh, was, um, um, forever young, but, but the, chill slow bob dylan with maybe the band as his backing band uh it is i've always loved it and you know the one that everybody knows is the faster version that rod stewart later covered and made famous but i mean i got goosebumps just thinking about because it's so beautiful and especially for um you know like my mom has always like refused to listen to Bob Dylan because she capital H hates him because of his voice. And I'm like, there's six, He's de- polarizing five it. or six decades worth of amazing, amazing American music that you'll yeah. never, it'll never be a part of your fiber because you can't get over that. Yeah. Oh no. Did you hear uh murder most foul? The song he put out recently? No. Oh my God. Do it's tell. Like se- 17 minutes long murder most foul, which is 17 minutes. Yeah. It's it's amazing, it's amazing, and this is Bob Dylan amazing, right? Um, it's "Murder Most Foul" is a quote from Shakespeare, right? Oh wow! From Hamlet, I believe. Um, Look at you and your Shakespeare knowledge. Uh, well, this is again, it, it, it's just that consistency of humanity, and and so it's the song is about Ken, the Kennedy assassination. John Kennedy being killed. I mean, he does a good five minute lyric just about how that went down and how it was murder most foul. Okay. And I mean, he just put this out a couple years ago. This is not, this yeah, he is just, well thought he out. didn't just put out a single. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay. As, uh, yeah. As far as I know. But, wow. And, um, this is right before he sold his catalog. Oh so. yeah. 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 And he, uh, in this song, he references not just this, but everything moving forward from that time on. The Beatles, Animals, Jimi Hendrix, um, everything, culture moving forward, and the importance of it. And, how, and I mean, it's like a list of everything from our child. It's like looking into our closet. And, and having everything fall out and he's just and, listing it off. And maybe our parents' closets too. There's your too. Teletubbies and there's your <laughs> I can hear it now. sleeping bag and there's your rock'em sock'em robots. Oh boy. Here to make you mad. And I mean, you're just like, yeah, dude, wow, this is amazing because, you know, we all witnessed the same stuff over time and have those shared experiences and so that's what he's hitting on and no, as far as Bob did, afterwards, check out Murder Most Foul. Oh, I wrote it down. Um, but go on, where were we? Uh, I don't know. Dylan. I think we were. Oh, I was. Just, I asked if you hey, had, if you had watched Parenthood because that yeah. version, the Revolution Number One 
makes uh-huh. me think of the slower version of Forever Young, which is, uh-huh. in my opinion, has always been the way better version. Uh, yeah. But, man. So there's two rev- versions of Revolution on the wide album. N- one and nine. One and nine. Yeah. And five didn't make it on. Which somehow. is which I think George again said there were two and, and then a fragment. Which must like be nine. Five. Well, five was the good one where they rocked out. Well, then why is the it so, okay? One's the acoustic one, and then Revolution Number Nine this, is is the Space Cadet yeah, Yoko yeah. listening to the TV. Yeah, why is this even on here? And again, <laughs> it's this concept album of just is it music or is it not? And maybe that's where Wild Honey Pie comes in, and stuff like the, you know the half songs like. I mean, you got Ringo singing Don't Pass Me By. I love that song. Right? And it's cute. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect for Ringo. He always sang those weird songs, Octopus Garden. and I've never made that connection that that's who that is. Yeah. But now that you say all three of those, I'm like, oh, yeah, those all do sound. They're all Ringo singing. Okay. Who is one of the best drummers in music history. He no way. He should be on that list. No way. Absolutely. So why? Because he, as a musician, as a drummer, as a rhythm section, what you do for the rest of your band is crucial, and he was so good at it. Okay. Just so he didn't do too much, but he told you where you were in the song, and he got you ready for the next part, and he was just So there. when they're fighting and Paul's on the drums, yeah. are the drums noticeably different? Mm-hmm. They are? Mm-hmm. Wow. To me, they are. Holy shit. Paul knew his way around everything. Dude could probably play, you know, anything. And yeah, sound. piano, guitar, drums, obviously, apparently. Yeah, he'd probably take out the pots in your kitchen and yeah, make it yeah. sound fantastic. You know? He's, you know, amazing. as somebody who now, kind of like Robert Plant, hmm. is way down the line in the age spectrum, whenever I catch a, a blip or a snippet of him, mm-hmm. he always seems like a really chill dude. Like he's never, and yeah. maybe at some point he did, but he doesn't seem to walk around like arrogant and pompous. And I don't know. He got his ass kicked. What do you mean? He almost died in a car crash in Greece right before the album Presence and had to record that entire album. Oh, you're talking about Robert. Who'd you say? Uh, uh, Paul. Paul has always oh. seemed like real yeah. not pompous, not yeah. huge-headed, yeah. not... Uh, I mean, and maybe at some point he did let all this create a huge ego and he's managed to step beyond it. But just for somebody who greatest, you know, front man for the greatest band in the world at a time has managed to stay even keel. I mean, John was the one he watched John kind of go off the rails with all that ego driven stuff. And for real, I don't think that was his his cup of tea how what do you mean what was what what happened with john because john was a little more provocative and oh he you know the stuff he said to the press and sure paul was just like whatever yeah i'm i'm cool i'm really just about the music and paul's just really about the music you know and um, I mean, what you wanted a bandmate? Wings. He came out. Not only did he did everything he did at the Beatles, he came out and got this second band going. They they fucking slapped. 
I loved Wings. How good were they? I, I mean, mean, they, they were. They could have done anything they wanted, and they were. They just jammed out. They rocked. Yeah, they yeah. rocked more than the Beatles rocked. For sure, certainly. For sure. Um, and then John Lennon, his solo career rocked more than the Beatles rocked. George Harrison rocked more than he did with the Beatles. They weren't ever rocking with each other. But right. Maybe it was other influences. <laughs> maybe it was them seeing Jimi Hendrix, and the Who. Man. Making noise that they're like, yeah, that's kind of fun. And but you know, you don't ever think of John Lennon rock. John Lennon went through all kinds of weird the stuff with Yoko. But that's what you get. I mean, it's a band. It's not a robot. It's not a computer program. You're gonna get people's problems. You're gonna get their angst. You're gonna get their frustration. Um What do you I mean, do you know much about like how the union of John and Yoko came to be? She was an artist and painter. Uh, yeah, conceptual. She okay, yeah. Had like installations, and they were interactive. And he kind of fell in love with her positivity. And ironically, she did. She what was she ultimately a positive presence for? I'm sure she was for him. For him, but yeah. like she's often been like. As as long as I've been aware of her existence, yeah, you know she's kind of had this like ruiner, you know, buzzkill or, or conflict. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. I, I don't. I've never looked into why. Yeah, uh, that's just the narrative that's been handed to me. It was weird because she would be on stage with them all. She, what? Oh yeah, for live performances. Well, the Beatles didn't do a live perform. Their last live performance was in 1966 at Candlestick Park, and they didn't do live after that because they just didn't by choice yeah they were they did not have a concert after 1966 wow until they got on the roof at uh, apple records okay is that in new york in no in london in london okay okay in, i think in london uh or in liverpool right and what I did, and they my math no well, they did uh, uh what a set they did. That was the rooftop concert. The police shut it down eventually because noise complaints. But it's the fucking Beatles on the roof. Yeah, I know. Even them. Even they had you know yeah. their issues, and that was the one. So when you think of the Beatles, but then they had Billy Preston, who was like the fifth Beatles oh, keyboard player. Did he, they? Did SNL do a riff on that? Maybe at one point. Maybe because he was he. Billy Preston played with played with Stones, he played with the Beatles. I mean, he okay. was the guy. Okay. Right? And then had his own great solo career. Great? Well, not great, but good enough. Okay. Do you own any of it? No. Okay. No. But he It's got to be out there though. Oh yeah. Huh. Yeah. You've heard some of his stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that was then they had, you know, um uh, they didn't do any so when they would be in the studio and stuff, yeah, she would be there sitting there on the floor and they had to restrain her from like tapping on things and making noise. And sometimes they would, and she shows up on some of the white album stuff in that revolution number nine, which is why I think that song is even there was so that she could be on the album and not in any of the you other stuff. You think she stuff. genuinely wanted, saw it like an audible presence in their recording? <laughs> yeah, she did later with, Double Fantasy, I think, was the album she did with did John he, Lennon. Did anybody buy it? 
Yeah. Some people bought yeah. it for sure. There's some good songs on there. But what, I mean, why, I don't, I guess uh, if she was so appealing as she was to him doing her artist, her art stuff and her conceptual stuff, like why wasn't that suiting, meeting all of her needs? You know what I'm saying? Because, I don't know, art's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well said. It's, it's a tough living. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or she wasn't very good at it. I don't know. It just, it's, she was always going to be overshadowed shattered by John. Yeah. You know. I, I mean, you, but you got to know that going into dating a Beatle, you know, you would think. Sure. So what about, uh, I mean, there have been, you know, we talked about litigation with Zeppelin and stuff. Hasn't yeah. there been some stuff with her as well, like where she had some rights to something? and Yeah, it could be. Especially if she showed up or got a songwriting credit. Oh yeah, um, and did she jive with the rest of the band, or they just tolerated? They didn't care for her. No, they didn't really like her around. But they were also pissing each other off too. Mm. No, I don't know why. Just because, you know, would you want to hang out with your three best friends all day every day and? No, I think that's how you stay best friends by having some time and distance between you. Yeah, I don't know. But why do you, I mean? Wouldn't you think maybe this is a the wrong mentality to try and impose on the late '60s and the Beatles? But wouldn't you think that uh, if you're if you keep doing live gigs that you generate more revenue? Oh man, no. I mean, or did they just wasn't... have an, all the money they could ever possibly need already, or? Probably it wasn't a thing. I mean, you go to their shows and you couldn't even hear it anyway because all the screaming. girls were screaming. There and, you go. You know, it just wasn't as big of a deal. Right. Right. They weren't concert. They were playing at Candlestick Park. It wasn't like the Sprint Center or. Right. <laughs> you know, there's just no. Plus, I mean, you know how much they charge for concert tickets now. Yeah, now, now, now but, they were charging fifty cents, two bucks. You know, in the sixties, you get in and see right. all those great bands for right. ten bucks. It was a lot more then, but it wasn't. Wow. <clears throat> so I don't know, uh, but yeah, they they just stopped playing. They be they grew too big, too fast, and were a studio band after that. And you know, Zeppelin was very different as a studio band and as a, a live band. I mean, they had two very different sounds live in studio you couldn't do live what they did in the studio well that's why i i i can't i generally speaking but with certain artists in particular and zeppelin is one of them uh when it comes to the reaction videos on right. youtube yeah. um if anybody's gonna like take their first leap you know into let's just say let's just stick with zeppelin yeah um or they've done one or two and somebody recommends a third track and they whether it's the debut for them or the third track that was recommended if they go live with a live version I'm like yeah you can't i won't i won't even watch it's garbage one like, of the to sound me. recordings bad quality yeah probably not even soundboard or even stereo Right, it's probably one mic. Yeah, yeah. And it's just terrible. But, but also, like, I just, you know, uh, I didn't, I, I mean... It's not the same. It's not the same. And I, that's why, like... It's I, perfect in the studio. Yes. And live, they, it's just too hard. Yeah. 
to pull it off. Yeah. Which is why, you know, song remains the same. I'm like, cool concept. But when I want to hear those songs, I'll go to the record that yeah. they're on. Yeah. Now, some of them that, that were live and that were single take, you know, made it. Like, since I've been loving you, the guitar in the middle of that's, you know, that's him playing. That's from the, Zeppelin 1? Or is that? That's, from the, from the, uh, or from Song of Rain's Same. Oh, live album, okay. Right? And that's a great I had, I need to revisit take it. on it. You know, there's no like, way it's better than the the, the studio yeah, version though. It's, it's different. I mean, it's subtle difference, but I mean, they they nail it. Do they? It's hard to do live. Yeah. Well, I think it would be hard to do in a studio too. Uh, you know, all the all the shit that Jimmy and and Bonham are doing. I mean, Bonham is like dusting the entire crop of his kit in the most yeah. beautiful way of I've yeah you know. I'll always anybody wants to, you know, kick him down a notch from Neil Pert or anybody else. I'd be like, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. They're different. Yeah, true, true. Neil, Neil, you know, had a big kit. He had a lot of stuff. Huge. Yeah. John was pretty basic. Yeah, very basic. But it, but he made it sound like a huge kit. He had the the hi hat with the tambourine on the Mm -hmm. top. He had a double kick bass. Did he? Yeah, so you could get yeah, double dun, dun, kicks dun, dun, on it. And... Yeah. But other than that, to me, the drummers are the key, and, and probably the best musicians in the band should be the drummers because they're they're kind of leading everybody else. And, and the jazz drummer, you take that to another level, is even better than the other drummer. John Fishman. Yeah. I mean, he's never... They're great. He's never... Uh, wowed me like neil or john bonham yeah but everybody in the band everybody in fish has always been like that's the guy and there's there's a very small portion of the fan base that are like you know but i mean they uh they i don't know 12 times now have done a halloween musical costume (laughs) you know do you know about this the fish concerts on halloween yeah so you do yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know what the first one was? No. It was the White Album in 90, Oh, that's right. 94 in Chicago. They did the White Album. And during Revolution Number no. 9, Fishman, he always, Has he used dress. to wear like big Kareem goggles. Yeah. And, and a dress. And, and he will sometimes take the front of the stage and do a, a vacuum solo. Yeah. With like an yeah. old Electrolux. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, so uh, revolution number nine is happening and uh i think i think the vacuum was part of it but they put out this like huge like bubble all these bubbles yes like a big cloud of bubbles and he takes off his dress and kind of just prances off the stage in the nude as revolution number nine the whatever loop they've got their own version of it on is yeah uh because you can't really play it yeah exactly (laughs) but it's really fascinating that uh, you're saying all this about drummers and I've, I mean, that's the, the way that that all, I've always got that. It's sort of like I hear Britt Whitehead and I picture Matt Garvin right next. Yeah. It's like white album. I think I picture Fishman, you know, that's funny. Yeah. But, yeah. but given, given the drummers a lot of credit, uh, would you, if you say start the listening same? to jazz, right. Then they're, their playbook expands a lot 
because they get solos in just about every song. Drummers. Drummers. Okay. And you get to hear, because it's just them. Because most of the time they're playing and everyone else is playing and you get that big fat sound. Yeah. And when it's just you, you yeah. got to carry the whole song. Yeah, man. Yeah. And you you can't make a mistake because everyone's right. going to hear it. You know, you people aren't covering. So, yeah. And then you get the, the solo, uh, the jazz. And that's where he shows you, hey, I can do more than just be a rhythm guy. I can play what they're playing, but I can play it on my drums, which aren't don't have a key. They're not no. in, a, in a key. No. Right? Yeah. It's just There's, percussion. They're out there in the ether just kind of... It's just... It's it's a rhythmic device. Yeah. It's not yeah. a melodic yeah. device. Yeah. They're different. It's We just have different... But they're going to play... So yeah, a jazz drummer, when they can get going, are they're the best. A piano player, just because they can play any song. If you right. If a good jazz uh, drummer and a good piano player, man. So how, what, do you say the same thing about Pink Floyd? Yeah. Rick Wright was on the keys and Nick Mason was on the kit, right? I mean, and is they, he the best musician in that band above David Gilmore and Roger Waters? Which one of them, Rick Wright? No, Nick. I think Nick the Mason drummer? was the drummer yeah. and Rick Wright was yeah. the keys. Yeah. I think Rick Wright is deceased. Yes. Now he is. He, not too long ago. Um, I don't know. I mean, the drummer in Pink Floyd is is kind of laid back. Right. But it's it's understated. still you know I, I us and them just came to mind. It's just like it's very low key and like, but it it also puts you on the map of that song. Like you hear, oh, that, that's us and them. You know I, what I mean? Yeah, Rick Wright was just so, and I mean, to do what he did, dude. Most because Pink Floyd does doesn't sound like any other band, and that stuff you were hearing that was Rick Wright. I know. It. I mean, like most underrated band member you know if you want to make your list of yeah. 50 best bands you know you're going to always point to pete townsend and roger daltrey and jimmy page and robert plant but i mean nobody talks about rick wright i mean yeah it's what you have the waters camp and the gilmore camp and if you meet somebody that knows nick mason and rick wright's names right it's for rare right but those are the guys making the pink floyd sound yeah, and he he absolutely was. He he was doing rhythm and and the melody. Look at you, which man. is what a piano player does. Yeah, right. Rhythm, yeah. melody. So, yeah. huh? You're doing both, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. no, he is fantastic. Guys like that, um, yeah, they make a band. Yeah, they make a band. Um, I never solid. thought in a million years that I would think. You know, in so many, like I, I use this reference a lot, but you know, in the matrix, when they want to learn something new, they just plug the file in and yeah. like, I've had my white album file and yeah. now I, I've had to like take it out and look at it differently and kind of slice it up and yeah. have a different perspective. It's really well, cool. That's what's cool about revisiting is, it, uh, is that when, the first time it affects you one way and later on you're like, cause to me it was like they could do so many different styles of music. Cause that's what they did on the white album. Right. Right. Just about every different kind of music that they could. And none of it was rock and most of it was poppy. Yeah. Not anything you'd play on the radio. Um, because it was weird. Except for Obladi, and even then, it's like, what are those? Are those words? What is that? Yeah, 
poppy, just too poppy to me. Um, looking through the list again, Savoy Truffle. I I really like Savoy Truffle. It's a, okay. So here's the list, Blair. Fifty percent, roughly, of all songs are about love, mm-hmm. sex, mm-hmm. relationships, the opposite sex. I wrote nice horns and quaint guitar riff. On uh, Savoy Truffle. Savoy Truffle. Yeah. It's about dessert. It's okay. all all it's a every thing in that. So fifty percent are about love and love. Then you've got the rest of the fifty percent you gotta figure out. So what do you have left? Cars. It's probably about eight percent, maybe more in the past, right? Cars. Walking. Walking is a big topic in songs, you know, I'm walking here, walking down the street. Well, that is, is that because walking. that's where we, just, we later realized that a lot of our profound or critical thinking and how it happened when I was walking to the bank or walking my dog or. It's just a very common thing to do. So you walk in, it sets the stage, you know, walking, trying to flag a ride, um, getting somewhere. You're going somewhere. You're moving. You're covering ground. Yeah. Okay. Um, food. Yeah. Is Man's got to eat. You, so we sing about food, and Savoy Truffle is not just about food, it's just about desserts. So, yeah, at some point, the Beatles are like, well, let's just do a song about desserts. <laughs> Paul, write you up, Paul. Right? Yeah. That's, that's Sir Paul to you. Yeah. Um, and so they did. Um, and then what's the other one? Happiness is a warm gun. I love that song. It's but a great I, song. I don't understand it at all. Five different time signatures in that song. How do you know that? Five different time signatures. Did you read that or you can hear them? Just, it's talked about. Okay. Okay. And you can hear them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how do you make that work in a song? You I don't know? know. And they're not even like 4-4. Four, four. It's like, you know... Nine five and weird, yeah, eight nine and weird time signatures and stuff. And, um, which is not my thing, I don't know. I just play by ear, right? I don't read music, I just play by ear, sure. so I try to understand that stuff. And then, okay, I get it because it's mathematical. Music to me is so much mathematical, right? Just is. even Pink Floyd, they not so much which is what makes them amazing mm-hmm. is that they get away from the math of music I gotta, they you gotta really listen do. to can dude it's i, I will i'm gonna make a note i have a note oh you do good i do um, I'm, I'm not i can't vouch i have a little bit of can in the other room i can't mm-hmm. vouch for tago mago but there's at least you know you know what's funny is that for me their most uh uh recognizable song has uh hey you Mm-hmm. It, like that, those are lyrics that they sing, you know. But it's not "Hey you," it's "Hey you," and this whole like tribal, like German same I, song. No, Just no, 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 same kind of. But I, but I, you can hear them. It's a very I, for me. Yeah. I, I like I've been at Harry's bar yeah. and table in yeah. Westport before, just having a drink, and I can kind of. It's a little loud, but I can kind of hear it. And I've I've been like, dude, is this can? And they're like, what? And then they go and look whatever device, and they're like, yeah, it is. I'm like, I fucking knew it. They're so wild. They, I mean, huh. you gotta check them out. So like instantly recognizable. Yeah, yeah, in 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 that they're so distinct. 
and so, and in in that Pink Floyd kind of way, yeah. they're like, oh, that's you know what I mean. So I've been listening to Tuareg Blues. How do you spell that? T U A R E G Tuareg. Is that a genre or an outfit? It's, it's a genre. It's basically Tuareg. I think means desert. Cool. So it's desert blues, and it's from North Africa. Ooh. And um, keep closing this fucking book. I no, need to write more yeah, shit down. Just leave it open. <laughs> it's gonna all come pouring out. I brought some shit, man. So yeah, just Tuareg blues, desert blues. Um, the band people's probably the most famous band is Tanaro Win. Spell that for T-I-N-A-R-I-W-E-N. me. T i n a r i w e n, and they sing in Arabic, and it's just got that great Middle Eastern sound. I don't know what scale they're using. We use you know like blues as a pentatonic scale. I don't know what scale they're using, um, but it's it's just beautiful, and they're all playing like Fenders and stuff. I mean, they're playing electric guitars but it's got a traditional so like when i listen to jazz typically there's no lyrics this is the third time that you've talked about listening to jazz which makes me think that you do with some consistency yeah are you is it background like the tv or are you are you not sitting doing nothing listening to jazz are you <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Meaning, no, meaning, I can't sit. meaning, like listening and no. liner notes and no. Okay. I'm not that guy. But if you're if you have jazz on and you're doing something else, do you still develop like a, a familiarity or relationship with a song or a record? Or I don't I don't typically put on jazz, not because I dislike it. I just yeah. never have made it a priority. So, a jazz song. You break, you listen enough, and you break it down into this. They introduce a theme at some point, yeah. Something they can repeat, or is at the beginning and at the end. It signals this is the beginning. This is our theme. Yep. This is how we want you to feel. Yeah. And then everyone will take turns repeating it, sure. and dancing around with it, and, and we'll, we'll, we're all going to take walks, but then return back to our. And then you thing. come back yeah. to it at the end. Yeah. So they're just going to give you a simple da 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 da, and that could be the whole song, right? But they're going to do it for eight or nine minutes, and there's no singing. So these are musicians at the top of their game showing you what they can do on their instruments. And that's where I think the listening and the paying attention, because you can meditate on it, and if they're perfect and you don't hear a flaw, you're it's like reading a book. You're in another space, right? They've created a, a space, and that's just cool. You know, because you get to you, there's no lyrics. You get to decide what the lyrics are. You get to decide what the songs. A hundred percent, right? There's it's some love in there. I, I felt a car. I think he went for a walk and he had some dessert. <laughs> we checked all the boxes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the David Allen Coe greatest country song yeah. ever. You got to talk about your mom, your jail, yeah. train, being your drunk. dog, and your pickup truck yeah. and being drunk. Yeah. And as long as you do that, that's a great country song. When you said meditate, do you yeah. figuratively or literally? No, it's it's if you're lucky enough. I mean, it's all escapism, right? Yeah, in some yeah. form or another. So if you're lucky enough, yeah, it helps get you on a little bit different plane. It's a color. It's an audible color. Yeah. So it just like ch- it. changes what you're looking at. Yeah, and man. It's just atmosphere, you know. It helps. You know, you can. You can have a 
a connection to a song or you can understand it's just a song. Right. Right. And you get to decide. I don't know. Yeah. Even if you're not aware that you have decided. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you were saying uh, math is, or I mean, music is a lot like math. And you said Pink Floyd was an exception. Were you, was, was, did jazz fit anywhere in there? They're so jazzy. They're so jazzy. No, I mean, uh-huh. you said Pink Floyd's and is not, their music is not like math to you or not like, right. but what about, is jazz? Yeah. Or are no. they? I mean, maybe. If it is, it's, it's three dimensional, four dimensional math. Because it's all built on time signatures right. and rhythmic devices. Right. So that's your math, right? But you start adding colors. How do you add colors into math? You know, you can't really quantify that. So it becomes quality, not quantity. It's just it's just how we experience it. Math is the framework, but you build on it. You have, Man. You have to start there. Uh, do you own some Miles Davis? No, I don't own music. I mean, oh, you know what I mean? I yeah. have, I do have vinyl albums, but yeah. I just put them on my shelf and I don't listen to it. Right. If I listen to something that's digital just yeah. because it's easier and I don't want to scratch my records. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so dusty. have you... So have I you, collect jazz have you, records. Have you, but, you, but you don't play them. I don't play them. I mean... I'd like to someday. Sure. Uh, yeah, when you're when you're done worrying about what your next you know, creative hands working yeah. revenue generating portion of when you're done worrying about that. I'm just lazy too. You can sit down and put on your jazz records. Yeah. I have more time, but do you, um, do you, ha- do you have, okay, let, let's table miles. Do you have any, if you're, if you're putting on music to listen to while you're working and it's just, it's streaming through a device, it's on in the background. Do you seek out jazz often? Yeah, the problem with listening to music today is you got to pay for a streaming service, right? And if you don't, they put they give you ads. Yeah. So if you listen to jazz, the songs are a lot longer. You don't have to listen to as many ads if you're lucky. I don't know. Um, yeah, because it's it's an exploration, and you want to hear stuff that you haven't heard before. Yeah. I got. And it's I did all on there. for. Yeah. I shouldn't say I, whatever I said a little bit ago about not listening to jazz. I did ha- for three years in college. I had a, a radio show and uh, I was, nice. you know, awesome. well, I mean, it was, it was, it was super fun. I actually have uh, uh, several episodes recorded on cassette in the other room. Uh, VHS. No, uh, there's no video. It's, oh. it's just you know, Audio. cassette tapes. Yeah, but uh, it really um, heightened my awareness of music outside of what I was already into. Uh, And, you know, I I met somebody who like I've actually got him on my list. If I could get a hold of him, I mean, I would like fly him out for an episode if I could just because I know I never saw it with my own eyes. Yeah. But I know that he had like a huge, huge blue note collection and was like insanely. And we were like 19, 20. He was insanely knowledgeable. And I, so I did go down a number of like, I bought some Grant green, uh, big John Patton. Uh, most of the names are going to escape me, but I've, I have, you know, put myself in that 
chair, so to speak, and like turned on jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not even a novice. You know, yeah. I'm still a beginner. Uh, yeah, I am too. I am totally. Uh, it's. You know, I think that's the height of musicianship. Is jazz? Yeah. Well, you said the, here are these guys at the top of their game, and it's a big, heavy sound, and then you get the solo, and you're you're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. No, no net underneath that tightrope. Have you gone down the Mutual Musicians Foundation <coughs> downtown and heard the the late night jams on the weekends? It's like it's, years ago, yeah. but I don't even know if it's the same place. I don't. It is. I mean, it's supposed to be. I you know, COVID and after yeah. that. I haven't been since. I would love to go down again. But I that's would go. The idea. I would totally go. And we should, because. Those are the guys trying to emulate that sort of idea. Right. I shouldn't say guys. I should just say players. Right. That are trying to emulate that idea of... Um, like a speakeasy and, you know, you you overhear in your personal life and your waking, sleeping, meditating, music listening moments and, yeah. and all these different facets you're practicing, whether it's physically, yeah. mentally, whatever. Now you're on the stage. It's like stand-up. Like you're you, a conduit. Yes. Right. Yes. If you're a stand-up, you're a conduit for the material that you've written and the person that you are when you're on stage. Mm-hmm. If it's you, then you're a conduit for you. If if you have a character, right, like, right, say like Pee Wee Herman. Sure. Yeah. Right. What a weird character. That's not a real person. Uh huh. But we all. <laughs> it's entertaining somehow. So bizarre. Yeah. Um, you're a conduit, and I think at the best moments, that success is when you're a conduit for whatever it is you're trying to do. Yeah, man. And you take yourself out of the equation and it's just flowing through you. Yeah. That's what every musician strives for. Yeah. Well, the, you said you watched a little bit of episode four with uh, Tanya. Yeah. And she's got this, she talked about this, uh, every song that she has written, uh, like, you know, it comes to her and she goes and plays it on the piano and that's it. There's no like, you know, for six months I was working on verse three and mm-hmm. I could never get it. And so I take, so, um, she, and, and so she has songs come to her and she produces them and then eventually records them. Uh, and she, she talked about, um, we took a break at one point and when she came back, there was a text saying that uh, a really good friend of hers was, who was not doing well, mm. was, had just taken the final, like, you know, the end is very, very near. Bummer. And, uh, she touched, we were texting last night and she said that he died on St. Patrick's day and like the next day song, boom. And just all sorts of, you know, experiences and messages like that where I'm like, yeah, that is wild. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world, but it's also still really wild to me, you know. It's a gift and a curse, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's bittersweet uh, to feel that strongly and to be able to emote it and have other people watch you and, you know we all want to be superstars, but no one wants to be critiqued. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we want you have to, standing ovations. Yeah. And we we had to quit doing live shows because nobody could hear us because the girls were screaming so loud. 
but don't don't talk about how I missed the transition from you know yeah C to E flat or I don't know whatever yeah, it is. <laughs> what uh, what do you do? You have stuff that we haven't covered about the Beatles self titled album, aka the White Album. I mean, to me, it it probably had a profound effect on me in that it just allowed me to be more open-minded was the main thing, I think. Which I think if you listen to any good album, (coughs) it probably has that effect. If you you can engage it, that... Like, some stuff's out of reach and was out of reach for me back then, like Frank Zappa, right? Was and still is. No, it took me a long time of, of studying music to be able to listen to Frank Zappa and to get it. What? And to enjoy it. Do you remember what got you there? Jazz helped a lot. Okay. Um, knowing that... Um, that Fucking Joe's Garage isn't on here. The list of 46. That is a sin. It seems like there's some missing... Well, I mean, yeah, it was just the top Google. Was that a double album, Joe's Garage? Three acts, yeah, two cassettes, yeah. So, you know, when you hear that when you're a kid, you're like, oh, they're not as good as the other people. They're not as polished as, like, the Beatles. They're not as playable as the Beatles. And you listen to them later, you listen to Zappa now, and it's like, he didn't care. He didn't care if he was playable on the radio. Right. He was making the music he wanted to make, and not only was it good music, it was hard to digest, inventive, uh, powerful, bizarre. I mean, it was stuff that you normally don't. And and frankly, like so far beyond polished than any. You just didn't know it. You like, didn't know. You you, you want to use your example of the Beatles? And you're not as polished as the Beatles. He's light years ahead of them and 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 he's like uh, i think not in when it comes to the selection of his band members and and the behaviors that they bring in their life in their lives to be a part of his outfit not the nicest guy because he wants crisp clean polished brit whitehead to be on the xylophone or whatever at 8 31 you know tomorrow morning yeah and if it's not, we have a problem. Yeah, you know. So it's then it's just all this, this the struggle to achieve this level of professionalism, professionalism where, like, if you don't have the pressure, I think you, on some sense, I think you get there on your own because you're all very, very talented musicians, world class musicians. Mm-hmm. But then you add pressure anyway. Because um, he was, he was those. He was a band leader in this composer. In the, yeah traditional sense yeah yeah like uh um you know like ray charles was a band leader okay you know he demanded he had high high expectations because he's the man yeah um guys like that and and going back count basie right big band there's guys that could control 30 musicians 30 good musicians with you all have egos Yeah. yeah yeah so that's a big deal if you've um, never, um, if you've never put on Joe's Garage and given it like a couple solid back to back, you know, top to back listens, yeah, 
it's like 77 79 and he runs the whole gamut of garage band that uh becomes popular and gets signed by a label and the contract screws them and stabs them in the back and then they all go down these strange paths to where there's like sex with robots <laughs> and re- you know religion and like sexual you know transmitted diseases uh and it all ends in like with a couple of the most beautiful um tracks he's ever written i mean watermelon and easter hay is late in act three and uh little green rosetta dude i'm looking at the list right now yeah tell me little green rosetta's on there it is it's okay the last song. okay so that song uh it starts off you know it's and you've got like this xylophone build up so and then you have this <laughs> sound and then and then Frank comes in to little green Rosetta and he's just being, you're like, what the hell? And it turns out <laughs> one of the guys who has like music ruined his life. Yeah. So now his job is to pipe green flowers onto muffins on a conveyor belt as they come <laughs> out in this factory. And he's they, so they do the whole thing. And then he's like, all right, uh, in some of the third world countries uh, where the equipment might not sound as this is, this is what it would probably sound like for you guys. And then they like change the signature. And then he's like in some of the sixth world uh, where the music equipment is run on kerosene, it might die halfway through. So they do a different time signature and then they go. Ridiculous, right? Dude. I mean, and watermelon and Easter hay is like eight minutes and change and it's completely instrumental it's just a, a solo that's so gorgeous oh my it's like the to me that's the birth of the steve vies and the yeah. joe satriani's yeah. and ingwe malmstein like you hear something like yeah. that you're like whoa dude i played for him didn't he? for a little bit yeah <coughs> yeah um i could talk all day about, about zappa. zappa dude and i'm still learning it oh which god. is so fun right? oh my god there's just so many i mean i have two of his uh biographies um and one of them talks about how in the 60s or 70s he had he was like here's what's going to happen there's going to be uh this disease that uh is kind of sprung upon us and uh it's going to attack um economically challenged uh urban areas it's gonna hit hard there uh and he's basically like gives an outline for how the aids pandemic uh is going to happen and then i mean yeah dude it's he he was a smart guy yeah he was a really smart guy very smart and you could also if you want to listen to his stuff or read his biographies that those are two avenues to pursue but there's also a really really wonderful youtube rabbit hole of just interviews Um, where he's coming on late (laughs) late night talk show there's there's you know one where his prostate cancer is killing him and he's smoking and the interviewer it's maybe i don't know if it's barbara wall there's somebody that's recognizable she's like what are you doing yeah. he's like cigarettes are like food to me and this happens to be one of my favorite food groups <laughs> and you know if if it kills me then 
so be it. I think he he <coughs> he understood capitalism and corporate uh, influence in music and in the media, and he was on it. He nailed it, and he was like, you know, MTV, you know, the money that they spend on videos, it doesn't go to the and the revenue doesn't go to the artists. It goes to whoever. No, it's oftentimes costing the artist to get on there to get on there yeah. and stuff. Like, I mean, he knew. He was he was so on top of that. Well, I mean, so. all the, have you ever watched any of the PMRC stuff? Yeah. The parental music. Oh yeah, when he went to Congress, Congress yeah, mm. and just fucking destroys like lifelong career politicians, yeah. and they're just like, "Somebody get this guy out of here, please." You know, we, back to our regular. He's he's like, "No, no, I'm here, so you don't get to go back they to here." They yeah, I mean they make laws and do whatever they want so when someone stands up against them most of the time someone doesn't most of the time they don't they're not used to that right yeah so yeah it's it's he was there we need more guys like frank you know yeah. it, not just in the business but in the world and he wasn't he wasn't uh trying to be a leader of men i don't think he, he was just trying to be himself yeah you know and, for sure and did and he was black and white yeah here it is here it is and I, I admire that because a lot of times I'm I'm like, I let people say what they want and I'm just like, okay, you have your opinion. And, you know, sometimes I feel like challenging them. I don't. Yeah, just right. Just because I'm, I try to be a nice guy. Yeah. Right? And he, he didn't care about that. He was just like, it's not about being nice. Here's the truth. If it hurts your feelings, uh, that's your problem. Right. That the truth hurts your feelings. Right. And maybe you should be working on that <laughs> instead yeah. of getting mad at me for showing you this is how it is yeah because people don't like having the illusion broken i mean because sometimes you know that's your lens for reality like wait a minute i can't have viewed the world this way for 47 years and now you're telling me it's wrong yeah i gotta look at it this way that's too hard that's scary yeah and frightening yeah um man i have um I, I don't know. I guess it was a result of uh, largely, you know, for early part of my life, um, only having AM radio uh, in the car. But I mean, I feel like I knew um, all of your Penny Lanes and, um, you know, the poppier Beatles stuff um, first. And then eventually made my way around to the white album and it's almost uh li like the trajectory for you was the opposite and you like white album first and yeah. you kind of got right into the heart of the beast and then all the other stuff came after it's i mean it's yeah. just it's i mean very fascinating and uh a very refreshing perspective i mean i loved the white album for what it was just being a double album and for not being full of you know uh all the the poppy stuff but i i've really i've got a, a whole new um admiration for it now and uh i gotta i gotta give you thanks for that thank you yeah it's um it's worth revisiting because it is there's many layers it's an onion <laughs> right <laughs> uh what there's a there's a flipping we talked about it there's a 
Glass onion. It's a glass onion. <laughs> okay. Glass onion. Was that the one that they were talking about themselves when they were saying? Because everyone wanted to know who the walrus was, right? And then the walrus died at some point, right? Never they, thought Paul was dead. There's back in the day. I, I don't know. You're you're speaking on a level that yeah, because it came across in one of the songs. Okay, because they didn't, they weren't ever live, and then the album comes out, and they find out. I don't remember which song. So there's that rumor, and then so Glass Onion is addressing all the rumors that happened. No kidding. Wow. I think that's the only note I wrote down about it that it was a great lead into Obla Diabla Da because it didn't feel like much in the way of a song song, if you will. And then you go right into your favorite track on the record and it's a nice counter. Oh, the uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps? No. Uh, Obla Di. Oh, yeah. No, I can't stand that. (laughs) I used to really like it. Yeah. See, well, I think when we were younger. Uh, I don't think it got very much radio play. It wasn't in pop culture. It was very, like, if you knew that, you knew the Beatles. That's kind of where it belonged, you know? And now it's, like, probably on a million different kids' YouTube videos. and Really? Who, I mean, probably. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. It's fun seeing the reaction videos. Yeah. I love and, it. And, again, shout out to... Uh, Jamal, a.k.a. Jamel. Yeah, Jamal Jamel. Um, fantastic guy. Yeah, Love for sure. Videos, Keep right? great music alive. Be nice to each other. Well, it's... it's He's tearing down bridges. For or, sure. Or, or walls. Yeah. Maybe that's the better metaphor. He's, he's building bridges and tearing down walls. Yeah, there you go. There you helping, go. <laughs> helping people. He's tearing down bridges. Uh, Back to Private Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, helping people to... Um, listen to stuff that they might not have listened to before and find that appreciation. And I think that's important for music because I listen to a lot of music now and it, you know, it has its pros and cons. Yeah. And, and you have to keep evolving it. You know, I think in some ways, you know, some rock and roll died for a long time. Could you, how identify roughly when or, um, I think it was, I think you see it happen with a lot of bands like Def Leppard was kind of a decent band and then they got commercial. Aerosmith was a good rock band and then they got commercial, right? To me, that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they lost the edge. Well, they got clean and it got, yeah. No, in the early eighties. Yeah. And then they did, right. The, to me, they put up permanent vacation and pump were good records, mm. but it, it, really boosted them then higher and in a different fashion. I mean, MTV was part of it, radio play, in a fashion that, you know, Dream On and Same Old Song and Dance and all those older hits didn't hadn't done. But then you get to the 90s, and that's when you get, like, uh, you know, all the blockbuster hits that have Reese Witherspoon or whoever... Uh, the girl, the blonde girl, crazy, you know, mm-hmm. living on the, all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way, way different yeah. for them. That was, yeah, that was the commercial side of it. Right? Alicia Silverstone. Silverstone. That was the commercial side of yep. it. And cool, you know. Yeah, Def Leppard, uh, I loved, Hysteria wasn't Pyromania, but I loved it. And then the one that came after with Pour Some Sugar on Me, I was like, I'm, 
amount. So on I this. think if I remember right, that had to do with the producer. What? Was it Mutt Lang? Was yeah, the producer for Hysteria? Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And he changed their sound. And that happened to a lot of bands, and I don't know if it was all him or his, but a lot of bands did that. I know he had a big influence. I like I like that album. Oh, I I never realized that for so many years until now. Rick Rubin. Yeah, man. Yeah. Def Jam. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a fascinating. If you um, if you look at the studio discography of Fish, um, and how distinctly, I mean, you talked about colors and math sort of meeting there's a, there's a really fascinating and maybe the, I don't know, man, I don't chicken or the egg, but their studio albums, you know, it's almost like the primary color of the cover art mm-hmm. is cast onto the body of songs that are on the album. Like if something's on lawn boy, it's got green to me because the art the art screen the picture of nectar's orangish and blue um but you know like steve lillywhite did i think billy breeze and you know whenever like it's just just for their studio body of work if you just look at the producers yeah there's a there's a thumbprint there's yeah. a feel and, yeah. and it's like Wow, like when I was younger, looking at liner notes, I wanted to know song credits, I wanted to know lyrics, I wanted to see art if there was any, mm-hmm. and all the other. I was like, why do these guys need to be in here? Mm-hmm. Who cares who produced and blah blah? Yeah, what does it even fucking do? matters a lot? It matters, sure. Um, guys become good at producing; they do their own stuff, and sometimes it works. You know, Page produced just about everything for Zeppelin, and then George Martin for the Beatles. Right. Pete Townsend produced. I think most of the Who stuff. Yeah. Sat in the studio, so it's all, you know, it's important. Yeah. Um, So Fish covers uh, Zeppelin and uh, do a fabulous job. And I think Fish does a really good job of covering other bands. Like, they can sound just like them. There's nobody better. I mean, there's a lot of covers that they do that I like way more than the original. Like Roses Are Free by Ween. Okay. It's a weird song. Uh-huh. Their, their uh-huh. version of it. But fi- okay. you listen to Fish do it, yeah. and it's fucking amazing. Nice. Um, but I mean, they, I heard, I remember six, seven years ago, I, I you know, I, I've gone through phases as somebody that's been seeing them for as long as I have, where like I want to see the set list, you know, via tweets like as it's happening uh for every show and then you hit the part of the tour where i'm gonna go and it's like i i know kind of what they've been doing yeah so i have expectations and then if they have they do something that they haven't been doing then i know that it's a a rare treat for that show then i got to a point where it's like i don't want to know i don't want to see any set lists i'm not going to listen to them at all until i go see them because then it's like really really fresh but I got word, I, I, I was aware that they had covered No Quarter a couple times, and I just cringed, you know, like physical graffiti is my my gospel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when I finally was present for a, a, a version of it, 
I was like, fucking crushed it, dude. Like, crushed it. Like, there's. I don't think that Zeppelin could have performed that song live as good as they do. Uh, I mean, they did Exile. On, uh, I actually saw them do Exile uh, at nice. uh, Empire Polo Grounds, where Coachella is in California, outside of L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they had fucking you know horn section and backup singers and i mean just you know then they made they ended up making a a little documentary about um that run of shows and i mean they're the horn players and the backup singers and all these extra people are in the fucking tents with them rehearsing you know and they're like okay this is where you come in and oh i like what you did there to it's like very organic and very what you would picture an outfit to be like in the studio trying to put an album together. But yeah, man, they, 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 they're the king of covers and you know, it sounds silly because covers are what most bands aspire to get away from. Right. You do covers enough until you hate them and then you're writing your own original stuff and you want people to like that. So when, uh, right before Johnny Cash passed away, mm-hmm. right? He mm-hmm. did a whole series of covers. Yeah, man. One by U2 and Steph. Hurt by uh, Trent Reznor or Nine Inch Nails or whatever. And I, I don't... Personal Jesus. Which was... Uh, I can't remember. It's not Fugazi. It's somebody else, I think, but... Yeah. <sighs> you know, he he lent his voice, which is iconic, right? Well, Trent said to those songs, Johnny's version is better than mine, right? Yeah, I mean, you hear Johnny Cash doing your song; it's probably going to sound <laughs> impressive. Someone's going to nail it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's going to be Johnny. Um, yeah, in the public eye, you're like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool," and then behind your, you're dude, like, "Fuck yeah, wow, Johnny Cash!" Right? Come. I mean, so he did that. He kind of reinvented and and showed him his his personality to that younger generation people i knew johnny from growing up yeah listening to yeah that stuff and what's your dad's name danny danny yeah danny from danny from norman dell city dell city Oklahoma. but but listening to a lot of johnny lot as of a younger man music. um yeah and wait a minute yeah. did your was your dad uh, did he paint did he have artwork was there artwork that your dad had yeah. created that was like on display at some point or for sale? Why is this all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean, I've yeah, it depends on where you were around town. Probably what you saw was either stuff I posted online. I feel like I might have seen stuff at your place, or if you came to my, I, de- place I definitely and saw artwork yeah. of him. Then yeah, all of, all of a sudden, you say, and I put the two names together. And I'm like, oh wait, that sounds. Yeah, yeah that was it. yeah. He was a painter, um, so we've got stuff. Um, but again, um, back to the music. Johnny Cat, we're just Johnny Cash doing covers and. You know, your dad growing up listening so, to country and so Nirvana, uh, and they did um, Unplugged. Remember all the Unplugged stuff, which was great that MTV did. And that do you know that they're still doing that? That unplugged. there's like a hundred of them. Google yeah, it. I've seen a few. But Google it, dude. Well, okay. and went later. Check I mean, it, it. 
Like 120. Did they really? Wow. Zeppelin did one. But Nirvana, when they did that, they covered In the Pines. The song In the Pines, which is an old um, Lead Belly song. Really? Which, again, Lead Belly was like... That's about as far back as I like to go when studying music. Okay. Everyone goes back to him and and then also back to Robert Johnson. Sure. Who's... Every anyone who's ever covered a Robert Johnson song probably sounds better than Robert. I mean, they were terrible recordings. Yeah, they're really hard to listening to, and he didn't have a great singing voice. The guitar playing, Fan, like otherworldly, is, is yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, pretty. He 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 invented some stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, you cover his stuff, it sounds better because yeah. you got all the modern. Yeah. And you're good, and you're polished, and yeah. So you can take those old songs that, again, that's what I was listening to when I was first listening to music was old blues music, and no one else is listening to it, right? And then they're playing it again. I'm like, yeah, because it's good stuff, <laughs> but also because it's material and it deserves to be revisited. Yes. So yeah, that's what a cover is. It's something we all know. I'm fine with covers. I think covers are great. Yeah, I really do. I mean, yeah, it's the whole. Uh, they've the fish will. Um, they'll they'll put covers on the shelf and take them down every once in a while. Like for a long time, good times, bad times was a, a, a encore, yeah, you know, a, yeah, or a yeah. set closer. Um, and it went away. For, I saw it a few times in the mid '90s, but it 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 went away and it came back. And it's like, dude, I mean. They it's a great song. crush it. They crush it, though. I mean, you think about that, like Jimmy Run, where he's like, and and Trey is just highway to hell. I mean, you know, and like right at the end when they're gonna go back into the refrain one more time, and he runs the pick up the f- strings on the front. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. down to nuances like that, they really just. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, I hear you, man. Um, it's it's amazing and it's the anticipation when you hear a song right yeah you anticipate the beats what's happening next and how the song goes i mean it's all there's something carved out in our brain that has room for it and the ability to process it and it's yeah it's a fun place to live um so the who uh tommy is a double album, but it's a it's a musical, musical right? Musical, yeah. And okay. So it's Quadrophenia, technically. Really? Yeah. Okay. Kind of, but uh, Tommy, you know, he's and if you ever watch the movie, the songs that you hear are different than the ones in the movie. Like Elton John sings "Pinball Wizard." No way! Really. And, yeah. Okay. And Tina Turner sings the Acid Queen because Whoa. she is the Acid Queen. <laughs> and and it's different. It's very different sounding than the album they put out. Okay. Um, little weird stuff like that. And but you end up listening to that, and you find treasures on that album that are some of the best songs on that album. Really, on Tommy. The song oh. Sally Simpson is one of the Who's best songs. It's no kidding. Fantastic. Um, mainly because there's a jamming piano on it. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you don't yeah. hear in a lot of Who. No. Um, 
Um, so another weird one, another strange song that I came across that you should listen to, and it's a it's a really depressing song. It's like the most depressing. And you know, like the wall, like half of it, if not all of it, is like terribly depressing, right? Yeah. So, but we all are into it somehow, you know. Well, there's beauty in it. I mean, sure. You know, mother, hey you. Um, there's a lot of angst. Comfortably numb. I mean, it's a way to say like, oh person i've never met before and will never meet i can see from here that you're a human that has experiences that leave you with emotions and feelings and i can identify with those so i can Mm -hmm. i can imagine the world from which you created that and i can lift it and you know sort of put it around me like the flaming lips bubble dork you know and kind of walk out on the crowd with it and then i give it back well, who? I mean, yeah. So it's that shared experiences of of tragedy and trauma and boo and unhappiness yep. and stuff. So there's a song called uh, "Time and Again" by Earth Opera, and it's worth listening to because it's an amazing song. But Earth no one's ever heard Opera. it. How have you heard it? And that's it's one of those rabbit hole discoveries. Okay. Yeah. Man, have you uh, ever told anybody uh, about reaction videos? And because you can, to a lot of people, uh-huh. you sound clinically insane. Like, what's a reaction video? Well, I'm watching somebody uh, watch or listen to something I've watched or listened to a hundred yeah. times over, and they're like, mm-hmm. "Cool, good talking to you." Uh, but you, there's moments. You know, whether it's a comical moment from a stand-up bit or a sad moment from, uh, you know, an emotional song. And when you see it hit, when you see another person experience it for the first time, I mean, I don't know. There's just something. Well, they find wonder in something that is your norm. And that's cool. Because you've heard the drum beat from uh, when the levee breaks. Yeah. So many times. Yeah. Right, and to them, they're taken back. But I was once that person, too. You were once that person, too. Um, So that's pretty cool to see that. But it's it's that commonality that you search for in people that you like like to experience. Yep. Right? Yep. Um, So reaction videos, there's a band called Wings of Pegasus. Okay. And the guy who does reaction videos plays guitar for him his name is phil f-i-l he's worth watching and checking out because he talks about the music in a very technical way he talks about guitar players and he touches on everybody he's got a wealth of knowledge and he talks about how how they're playing guitars so i mean he does entire videos about just individual techniques wow and you get to watch the video and then he kind of breaks it down and it's Nice. He's one of those guys who is a geek. Okay. About it. I like geeks. Yeah, (laughs) right? That's what this is all about, about uh, selecting what suits us. Yeah. Um, So he geeks out um, on that stuff. I'm fascinated by guitar players. My hands can't do that. I wish they could. I mean, for a music lover who works with his hands for a living, you would think it would be your bread and butter. Oh, man. 
I can't. I just don't. I try, but um, to have that talent's amazing. And yeah, we all, you know, spend a lot of money to see talented people do that. Right. Play. Right. right. Yeah. And we and it's so important. And um, yeah, I like to give music a chance. I like to give new music a chance and listen to it. I really do. It's a good thing, man. I don't I think. Look for I think there are. Uh, plenty of folks out there who however they find it they find their comfort zone and that's where they want to stay you know you just want to listen to um that sheena easton record (laughs) 217th time or whatever it may be so how about advertising i mean advertising has taken over our music and now that music that we associated with our youth is being used to sell products right yeah you know, and I'm okay with it. I mean, that's how you arrive at a place like you've arrived at, hating oh, blah, dee, oh, blah, da. Yeah, right. I mean, it's Bob Seger is in a Chevy truck commercial and, um, you know, uh, Moby's in a Gap ad and whatever else. I mean. Yeah, it's, it. I don't think it takes away from the music. I think it's, it's artwork, you know, and, and it's eternal yeah so people get into a weird thing where uh they feel like they have to announce you know almost hand on hip they have to announce to the world i loved that song before it was used to sell trucks okay good you know what that commercial might have like introduced the song to somebody that's never heard it before so beauty of it right yeah finds a new life yeah or a new audience Mm -hmm. all that stuff it's all tied together and that's why anyone knows anything about Robert Johnson or yeah. Belly or, you know, Aretha Franklin. Yeah, man. Who, you know, um, was a big deal. So my favorite voice ever is Otis Redding, who had okay. a very short career Yeah, compared to most other artists. And we know so much about him, but he was not around for very long, you know, and we don't have a lot of material from him. Right. And you look at a guy like Frank Zappa, who's got 60 albums ish. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I think it's, I mean, it might be, I counted once and I feel like it was in the mid sixties studio albums, but you also have, uh, you know, his collection of, you can't do that on stage anymore. Volumes one through six. And then you have like, like, that's the first place I heard. Yeah. That's a lot of people's jumping off point for Zappa, but he has, um, uh, like a two or three disc called, well, he at first he had, um, guitar, and then son of guitar and shut up and player guitar like somewhere in those like he was like going you talk about a producer he's going in and like taking snippets of solos from the same song and making a new song with them and you can't tell that's at all i mean and it's and it's all just you know shredding uh, and you know, he, he did a lot of, um, oh, so much satire. Um, I mean the chic, yeah. your booty album. Um, there's so many things in there, uh, you know, talking about all the different ways of 
achieving pleasure through you know items going in your rectum and uh athletes getting away with stuff up to and including or or, or. so he filled out that percentage of like what are songs written about yeah you know yeah he got everything else i mean he has a song called does humor belong in music question mark (laughs) you know uh he used to bring don pardo on stage, on stage to introduce like the Illinois Enema Bandit, yeah. you know. I mean, just like what? what? What's going yeah. on right now? I mean, fantastic imagination. Yeah. That's what you want in a good artist. Is just that fantastic imagination. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the the tagline for that was like, <laughs> there was a sinister green midget with a bucket and a mop. Is like this character lurking inside this eleven minute track called the Illinois Enema Bandit. I that never don't... pictured him as a midget. Who the bandit? Uh, uh, well, I I don't e- I don't even know if that's who it is. I just know yeah. that that's a I see him in a corner of a dark school hallway, and I don't know if he's the bandit or if he's just a janitor that oh, wandered across the scene. You know? Yeah. yeah. So it's he's taking you someplace. Yeah. You yeah. Know? He's always. Taking you to a crazy place. Always. And it can be done, right? Yeah. So I think. Writing a good song, that's what you do. You take something, it's like writing a book. Yeah. You're a writer. Yeah. Well, we're rolling up on that time, man. We got to get you out of here. Um, and yeah, thank you very much for coming and doing this. Uh, gift of time, as yeah. I've mentioned before, is uh, immeasurable. Like, uh, you brought pizza, and I'm, I'm happy to give you some cash for that. And there's a transaction there. No, but no. the fact that you, carved out a window of your day to come over and sit down and do this is yeah very admirable i appreciate it and it's my pleasure and i like what you're doing thank you it's cool thanks and keep doing it and you have me on on video now which is scary (laughs) it's permanent Uh, blackmails are coming no not really i'm teasing um but yeah it's um keep it up and thanks I, yeah yeah right for sure let's golf see. and frisbee golf yeah you still play uh, frisbee golf I, no i, I was i was talking to gronk why uh, it hurts my elbow okay yeah That's but you can swing a club yeah okay i haven't done either in forever but i'm happy really? to get out and do both um That's so thing now. um do you still who do you get who are you getting out with garvin no, and the and Spivey, Hero. Yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I would love to, <coughs> but uh, you know, I'm still just as bad as I always was. So Good. I, Good. I lose twelve balls okay. on an outing, and Good. I don't really care to look. I I plan on it because I don't want to yeah. spend. I don't want to slow up the group looking well, for my ball every time. You swing like a hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> Not on purpose. I try yeah. to. I try to have distinct bat swings, golf club swings, and hockey swings, but Mario Lemieux, yeah, of course, yeah, Yamir Yager. yeah. All right, Brett. Um, thank you so much. Um, appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Good to talk to you. All right, man. All right, later. See you. Thank mm-hmm. you.